0: We are ready, Mayor.
1: Porter, are we ready?
0: Can he not hear me? Oh, I didn't know you muted there. I saw it here. Sorry, Mayor. We had confusion here and we had trouble with YouTube. We are now ready.
1: Excellent. Mayor Fingaldi, welcome everyone to the June 8th, 2021 City Commission Meeting. Um, Before we begin, Porter O'Neill, our Communications and Creative Resource Manager, will give a few words about the operation of the meeting.
0: Thank you, Mayor. Good evening, everyone. I just wanna share some housekeeping items for this virtual and in-person meeting. We have folks here in the commission room, which is a nice change. Um, This meeting is being broadcast and recorded on the City of Lawrence YouTube channel. The public chat function is disabled for tonight. All chats will go directly to me. When you are not participating in the meeting, please mute your microphone. When you are participating in the meeting, please keep your video on. When you are not participating in the meeting, please turn your video off. You will still be able to hear the meeting. You can turn your video back on when you are participating. Turning your video off when you are not participating allows the active meeting participants to be seen on the screen. If you have any trouble, please send me a chat. The city reserves the right to mute microphones and or turn off people's video to minimize distractions from the meeting. Please remember to state your name every time you speak for the benefit of those listening remotely. And now I'll return the meeting to Mayor Finkeldy.
1: Mayor Finkeldy, thank you, Pojor. I will go ahead and take roll call. Vice Mayor Shipley?
2: Here.
1: Commissioner Nanda.
2: Here.
1: Commissioner Lawson? Here. Commissioner Bully? Here. Mayor Fingalai, I'm present as well. And again, before we start our meeting, um, we'll have Sherry Wiedemann, our city clerk, talk about the operation of the meeting.
3: Thank you, Mayor. I'm just going to provide a few procedural reminders for the virtual meeting. Commissioners, please remember to state your name and title each time you speak. After a motion is made and seconded, Mayor, please call on commissioners individually to provide their vote, then announce whether the motion carried and the count of the vote city staff, please remember to state your name and title. Each time you speak, when the mayor calls for public comment on an item, individuals participating via zoom should use the raise hand function to indicate they wish to speak. The raise hand function may appear in different places on your zoom menu, depending on the device you are using and which version of zoom you have. Individuals will be called upon by name in the order they appear on the meeting hosts screen. When you are called on, please unmute and state your name. Comments will be limited to three minutes. When the mayor calls for in-person public comment, individuals should raise their hand to indicate they wish to speak. Staff present will direct you to the podium to speak following social distancing and safety
1: protocols.
3: Please state your name before speaking and comments will be limited to three minutes. Thank you, Mayor.
1: Mayor Fingledye, thank you, Sherry? The first item on the agenda is to approve the agenda. The City Commission reserves the right to amend, supplement, or reorder the agenda during the meeting. Does any commissioner wish to reorder the agenda? If not, I look for a motion. Move to approve the agenda. Commissioner Larson. Commissioner will second. Mayor Finkel, aye. there's a motion by Commissioner Lawson, a second by Commissioner Nanda. Commissioner Lawson? Aye. Commissioner Nanda? Aye. Vice Mayor Shipley? Aye. Commissioner Bowley? Aye. Mayor Finkel, Aye. aye. Passes five to zero. We now have two proclamations um, on the agenda tonight. Um, the first one is to proclaim June 19th, 2021 as Lawrence Juneteenth celebration. I believe Janine Coulter is here to say a few words before I read the proclamation. Welcome.
4: Thank you. My name is Janine Coulter. I'm the president of the Lawrence, Kansas Juneteenth organization. Um, We are going to be hosting a virtual um, Juneteenth this year. You can find it on our Facebook page under the Lawrence, Kansas Juneteenth. Um, We hope that you guys all attend. We've worked very hard on this and it is going to be a delight for this whole community. Um, We really focus on education of the black American history here in Douglas County and the city of Lawrence. So thank you for having us this
1: evening. Thank you very much. And I'll go ahead and read the proclamation. This is Mayor finkel Whereas Juneteenth is the oldest known celebration of the ending of chattel slavery dating back to June 19th, 1865. On this day, Union soldiers landed in Galveston, Texas, with news that the war had ended and that all African-American people, who were dehumanized and enslaved against their will, were now free, even though President Lincoln had signed the Emancipation Proclamation two and a half years earlier, on January 1st, 1863. And whereas Juneteenth has become a tradition of celebrations that began that began following the reading of the proclamation by General Gordon Granger in 1865, that has lasted over 150 years, and today is hosted in cities across America, featuring rich traditions, including celebrations in the form of festivals, parades, and narratives of black resilience. Whereas Juneteenth is known as Freedom Day, it has continued to be a highly revered event across the country, as a time for honoring one another and reflecting on the resilience of African-Americans who were enslaved against their will. And whereas Juneteenth allows people of all races, nationalities and religions in cities across the country to unify and to acknowledge a dreadful period in American history that shaped and continues to influence our society today. And whereas Juneteenth today celebrates African-American freedom, while also encouraging the advancement of racial equity, self-development, and respect for all cultures. Now, therefore, I, Brad Finkeldy, mayor of the city of Lawrence, to hereby proclaim and celebrate June 19th, 2021, as Lawrence Juneteenth celebration. Thank you very much. Janine, thank you for being here and I look forward to the event and hopefully all um, citizens can can attend. I look I look forward to it. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Mayor Fingaldi, we have a second um, proclamation today, and that is to proclaim June 2021 as LGBTQIA Pride Month. And I believe we have maybe some guests at City Hall to say a few words before I read the proclamation.
5: Yes, good evening. And thank you for attending the City of Lawrence Pride Proclamation. Hear them yet. Oh, I'm still muted.
0: No, hang on, go ahead, sorry, yes.
5: Well, good evening, um, and thank you so much for attending the City of Lawrence's Pride Proclamation 2021. I am honored to be receiving this on behalf of our diverse community. As some of you know, my name is Brandon Eisman, a cisgender male, father, and active community member. But tonight, I stand before you as Deja Brooks, Miss Gay, Kansas, United States, a drag queen, and an LGBTQ activist. You may be thinking, why is it important for us to be celebrating pride, let alone having a city pride proclamation? When you think of pride, the majority of you instantly think of parades filled with rainbows, drag queens, public displays of affection from same-sex couples, or those lovely protesters we all have seen. But pride gatherings are more than bright colors and good times. They are rooted in the difficult and trying history of minority groups who have struggled for decades to overcome prejudice and be accepted for who they are. June 28, 1969, an American gay liberation activist and self-identified drag queen by the name of Marsha P. Johnson, along with Sylvia Sylvia Riviera and other patrons of a New York City gay bar called the Stonewall Inn, clashed with police in what became known as the Stonewall Riots. Growing tired of harassment and frequent raids, Marcia, Riviera, and the others decided to stand up to the police on that historic night. Hundreds began to riot, and the protests grew even larger the next night. Demonstrations erupted all over the city over the next several days, starting a movement that continues to this day. These riots are considered the first major protest for LGBTQ rights and led to the formation of many LGBTQ rights organizations. A year later, the first gay pride marches commemorating the Stonewall riots took place in cities like New York, Chicago, San Francisco, and Los Angeles. In 1978, the iconic rainbow flag designed by Gilbert Baker from Parsons, Kansas was used to symbolize gay pride. We are here to celebrate the notable achievements and outstanding services that lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and allies make to our city, state, and nation. This wouldn't be possible without individuals like Marsha P. Johnson, Sylvia Riviera, Harvey Milk, Harry Hay, Larry Kramer, and allies such as President Barack Obama, Brad Pitt, Sally Field, Cindy Lauper, and countless others. This month we are celebrating 52 years of pride. It is so exciting to know that here in the Midwest, we have several pride festivals from Kansas City, Emporia, Manhattan, to Wichita, and most importantly, pride events right here in beautiful Lawrence, Kansas. Kicking off pride in Lawrence and Douglas County, we had Deja's Reading Rainbow at the Lawrence Public Library, a story time that embraces our local LGBTQ communities, community and celebrates families of all kinds a pride party in South Park hosted by Plymouth Church. Tomorrow night is Pride Night at the Replay Lounge, and this Saturday is the Lawrence Pride Parade, sponsored by iHeart Local Music, followed with a fabulous show at Abe and Jake's, hosted by the one and only Miss Amanda Love. Closing out the month will be a drag queen bingo benefiting the friends and foundation of the Lawrence Public Library. What I love is that our community has something for everyone. Since this is the 52nd year of Pride, I ask that you stop and think what Pride means to you and how you can celebrate it. Take the time to honor equality and love with your family, friends, neighbors, community members, and leaders. I also want you to consider how you can promote diversity and educate those around you throughout the coming years about the history of gay rights, including attending rallies, writing letters, calling state politicians, and voting, as we still have so much to do and learn. Throughout this support and celebration, we continue to have Lawrence and Douglas County shine bright here in Kansas. I'd like to leave you with one last thing this evening. Sorry. I'd like to leave you with one last thing this evening. That is to remember that our community is a family of many minds. Trans, cisgender, genderqueer, straight, non-binary, and undecided individuals that are all united by our differences and strengthened by our love. Thank you to the mayor, to the city of Lawrence for taking these steps forward in the support of pride in our community. Thank you. <laughs> Brandon, thank you
1: very much for those words. And um, and I will do a very small part of that. We have a lot more to do, but we'll go ahead and read the proclamation show our support. Whereas individually and collectively, members of Lawrence and Douglas County's LGBTQIA community contribute greatly to neighborhood revitalization, economic vitality, arts and culture, and the social fabric of our city, county, state, and country. And whereas the city of Lawrence remains committed to protecting the civil rights of all members of the LGBTQIA community, whereas Lawrence and Douglas County prides itself on its inclusiveness as one of the first counties in the region to have a domestic partnership registry and protects its residents from discrimination and harassment based on actual or perceived race, color, sex, religion, disability, age, marital status, place of birth, families with children, sexual orientation or national origin. And we are committed to continued social progress and the cause of human rights, celebrating the great great diversity of our community. In regards, the month of June was designated as LGBTQIA Pride Month to commemorate the Stonewall Inn riots in June of 1969, generally recognized as the catalyst of the modern LGBTQIA rights movement. These events began when a group of LGBTQIA patrons, including a black trans woman named Marsha P. Johnson, decided to take a stand and fight back against the brutal intimidation they regularly faced. Now, therefore, I, Brad Finkeldiei, mayor of the city of Lawrence, to hereby proclaim June 2021 as LGBTQIA Pride Month in the city of Lawrence and encourage all residents to join in ending prejudice everywhere it may exist respect the rights of all people, and celebrate the diversity and richness of our city and country. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mayor. Thank you for all you do for the community and representing our community. I appreciate you and it's a big weekend and coming up in Lawrence with with two big events with the the bride weekend and the Juneteenth celebration. So um, thank you everyone for being here and thanks for showing coming. Thanks so much. Okay, with that, um, we will move to the consent agenda. All matters listed on the consent agenda are considered under one motion and will be approved by one motion. There will be no separate discussion on those items. If discussion is desired, that item will be removed from the consent agenda and will be considered separately. Members of the public wishing to speak to an item that has been pulled off the consent agenda will be limited to three minutes for comments. Although any matters, a commissioner would like to pull off the consent agenda. Seeing none, um, does any member of the public wish to pull an item off the consent agenda? If so, please raise your hand using the raise your hand feature. Or if you're present, let Sherry know and she'll call upon you.
3: Sherry
1: Reitman, city clerk, there are no items to pull Mayor. there. Mayor Finkel, um, Then I'd look for a motion to approve the consent agenda.
6: Commissioner Ananda, I move to approve the consent agenda. Commissioner Arsene, second.
1: Mayor Finkel, aye. There's a motion by Commissioner Ananda, a second by Commissioner Lawson. Commissioner Ananda. Um, Commissioner Ananda, I think you're still needed there.
6: Aye.
1: Commissioner Lawson. Aye. Vice Mayor Shipley? Aye. Commissioner Bully? Aye. Mayor Finkel, die, aye. Consent agenda passes five to zero. And I'll have quite a few constituents very happy about the splash park. Um, they've been talking a lot about that. So um, now we'll move to public comment. Public is allowed to speak on items or issues that are not ske- scheduled for discussion on the agenda. As a general practice, the commission will not discuss or debate these items, nor will the commission make decisions on items presented during this time. Individuals should address all comments and questions to the commission. Each person will be limited to three minutes. A member of the public would like to make general public comment on an item not on the agenda. Please raise your hand using the raise your hand feature, or if you're present, let Sherry know. And she'll call upon you.
3: Chris Flowers.
7: Hi, this is Chris Flowers. I just have a quick uh, idea. I was just thinking it'd be fun if after a proclamation, if we can unmute just to clap to join in with the audience. Just just something I just thought of. Thank you. Have a good day.
3: That's all the comment, Mayor.
1: Mayor finkel thank you. That brings us to regular agenda item number one, which is to consider authorizing a utility assistance program funded through donations of utility customers. And I believe Christy gets to lead this one off.
8: Yes, uh, Christy Webb, utility billing manager. Thank you, uh, Mayor finkel and commissioners. Share my screen and I'm going to through the presentation, utility assistance program.
3: Let me get
8: that so, we're proposing is that um, we would start a utility assistance program that would be funded by customer donate utility customer donations, and they can make those donations directly through their utility bill those um that after we've collected those donations then those funds collected would then get applied to um utility customers that have a need that's demonstrated through an application process i'll talk a little bit more about that here in a bit um and i think once you all approve this that we can get this launched in six to eight weeks we are getting ready to get into our busy period so that's It would probably be four weeks if we weren't getting ready to go into our busy period so um, ready to go so um so the utility customers will be able to sign up online over the phone or in person i was going to show you if i can i don't want to do that let see that Um this, is, this isn't live yet. This is just a mock page.
1: Um, yeah, if anybody, like, Christy, we can't see that, I don't think.
8: Yeah, okay, um, I probably shared incorrectly. Let me see if I can share it a little bit differently. Go. That should be better. Are you seeing that now? Anything that? Yes, we are. All right, I apologize about that. So this is again, this isn't live yet, but this would be the form that customers could sign up, and donate. So this would be for people who wanted wanted to donate on their bills. So, you know, it's just a, it's a pretty simple form. It doesn't require a lot of information. We just you know basically need their the utility customer number, their utility account number, just to get signed up. And the reason we need to collect that information is because so I know that some roundup programs you can just check a box and say this month I want to add 30 cents but our, our program would not work that way we would need people to sign up in advance and then it would actually show on their bill and the reason is is because our system wouldn't be able to recognize w- where in a situation where they want to just donate to this program versus just an overpayment. We have lots of customers who make overpayments. They, you know, say they're having a good month and they, they want to pay $20 extra so that next month they don't have to pay as much. So, so our system wouldn't be able to differentiate that unless people signed up for the donation program in advance. And that's very, very similar to what Evergy and Black Hills does as well with their um, assistance program. And, And, Customers can sign up to do a flat amount, say $5 a month, or they could do a rounded up amount. They could do a combination of both. So say they signed it up for signed up for $5 a month, but their bill was $75.83. Then it's going to round up that extra $0.17. Cents. So it'd be $5.17. This is what the bill would look like um, for people who have signed up for that. So you can see that it's just a, a specific... So they, it's very, very clear what that extra charge is. Um, and, people, and anybody that signed up, they could opt out at any time. So, um, you know, that they're not locked in for the future. They would be, um, for anything they've already donated and contributed to, we wouldn't obviously be able to refund that, but any future donations we can opt them out of. So... To, to administer this program, we released a request a request for proposal, and that was last summer, August of last year. And from that request from proposal for proposal, Catholic Charities was selected, um, and they were selected to receive, review, and process our applications, and their fee for that is $250 per approved application. And I wanted to clarify that that's only... Um, approved applications, and we would be communicating regularly with Catholic charities about how many how much donated funds we have available. For example, if we have $1,000 in our pool of donated funds, we would notify Catholic charities, you know, there's there's a $1,000 for this month that you could work with, but anything more than that, basically stop accepting applications until we have more funds developed so you know we're, we don't want we don't want catholic charities to go through a pro, you know receive a bunch of applications that they know aren't going to be approved because the funds aren't there N- so with with the contract that we're proposing, we propose that that would start on January 1st, 2022, just to allow time for donated funds to accrue. Since this is a new program, we're going to need to get the word out to utility customers and it might take some time for people to to sign up for that and for funds to accrue. So that would just give time for there to be a meaningful amount of money to, for them to work with. Um, and then Catholic charity notifies us directly when an application's been approved. It would it wouldn't be very different from how we we have lots of social agencies in the in the community that um, help with utility bills. And so that's a very normal process for us where we're notified they've been approved for this. In this instance, the city is holding on to those funds, so the Catholic charity actually never receives those funds directly, but they would just let us know this group's this person's been approved. Therefore, we can uh, apply those funds on the back. So, th- one of the most important things I think with this program is getting the word out. So, I'll I would be working very closely with our communications team to you know raise awareness, to encourage people to donate. That's that's really the the whole key to this program is to get
7: people signed up, participate.
8: In this. Would make sure we are. Putting it on the city news, doing a press release, um, making sure the neighborhood associations are aware. You know, our communications teams does a great do- job of using our social media to get the word out. So we'll definitely be tapping into that. We'd put something in the flame, and I'll definitely be communicating it on the utility bill, um, in the monthly utility bill in the message section. So, you know, one of one of my concerns is that um, if people if if people just opted into um, just a simple roundup and not a flat amount plus a roundup i i just don't think that we'd have um a meaningful impact to this program so I, in our communication i think it's going to be important to stress that you, the you know the the need that's out there in our community and that you know if people can give as much as they can, and I would recommend at least $5 a month, it, it'll it'll just go further and, and help our community more. And then on this next slide, you can see, and I think you've seen this in my um, monthly utility billing report, but this is just, this shows where we're at right now with our 90 day, 90 plus day delinquency balances. Um, so it's, you know, that, that need is continuing to grow. And so, you know, th- this program I think would be really helpful in you know, uh, offering something to, to some of these customers. So that's that's all I have in the presentation, but I'm sure you have some questions on that. So what questions can I answer on that?
1: Thank you. Christy, commissioners, do you have questions?
6: Commissioner Nanda? I wondered if you could explain this graph a little bit more, um, the 1693, is below the 1590, um, but I, I know that, I just haven't parsed it out in my mind, if you could just talk about what those numbers are versus the numbers on the left. Oh,
8: Christy Can Webb, utility know? billing manager.
9: Thank- Christy, do you want me to handle that?
8: Sure. Yeah, if you don't
9: mind, yeah. Sure. Jeremy Wellman, finance director. Um, what we're trying to display here are two different sets of data. Um, She had given you the chart, but um, typically on the um, monthly uh, utility billing report, we add footnotes that kind of help explain it. But the blue bar is the dollars and the number uh, above the blue bar does not represent the blue bar. It represents the number of people represented in the blue bars. So for example, in uh, May of uh, 2021, 1,710 customers Owed over nine hundred thousand dollars beyond the ninety-day delinquency.
1: Thank you, Mayor Finkeldeye, Other questions,
10: Mr. Larson? Um, Christy, could you tell me what is what's the criteria for um, community members to qualify for this money?
8: of utility billing manager. So we have asked Catholic charities to to use um, parameters that they currently use for other social um, – so they, they accept other applications for utility assistance separate from this program. Um, they do and other social agencies in the community. And so they're looking at a um, threshold of um, – you know, household members and income and and so I don't. I, I can get more details on that, but I know that we've asked them to use the parameters that they've used for those other programs. And it basically, it's it's showing a uh, an economic need.
10: Commissioner, Marshall, thank you. I would appreciate getting more information on that at some time. That would be great. Thank you. Absolutely.
1: Mayor finkel had had, um, I guess, had some concern, and it's probably a hope more than a concern, that the, proper, that the program is so wildly successful and we have so much money that we're, we're giving out, you know, they're accepting a lot of applications. And at some point, maybe the $250 per application um, becomes maybe a bit excessive. Again, that only happens if we have $50,000, $60,000 to give away, um, which is probably a, a pipe dream. But was there any consideration on putting a maximum on that or after they hit a certain level, lowering the amount per application? Christy Webb, Utility Billing
8: Manager. We, we, we did talk briefly about that, but we did not put that in this contract. But we absolutely can, you know, if, if we feel like that would, um, if we'd have more comfort with that. Um, that's, that's definitely not a problem. Um, but I do, I, I think, I think the thought was initially that in that first year, it might take some time. It it might take two or three years to grow this program, get the word out get people participating. So I, I think the thought was, let's see how it goes in this first year. Um, and obviously we can, um, it's a one-year contract, so for, for future years, we can add that amendment. We can add it to this contract. It's not too, not too late to add it to this contract either.
1: Mayor finkel um, I actually, I noticed that this contract expires on December 31st of this year and then renews for a full another year. Um, so I guess it's possible that by December 31, if they haven't given out any money, we'll know by then how much we're collecting it might have a better sense before we renew it for next year. is a possibility as well.
8: Uh, Christy Webb, Utility Building Manager. So originally, um, when this contract was written, we were hoping to to get it started, you know, or present it earlier than, than I am tonight. Um, so the, the once we knew it was going to be a little more delayed, that's when we decided that we would start it with January 1st, 2022. So so that expiration date of, of the end of this year doesn't really apply. That's gonna, it really needs to be updated to the end of next year. Um, So, but we, but to your point, we would, by the end of this year, we'd have a good idea of what kind of response we're getting from this program. And, you know, is it getting some traction? Are we seeing a lot of um, donated funds accrue? So, you know, if we do that, that might be a good indication that we do need to change that.
1: I think it's, well, That's my question. We can talk about that later. Other questions? This is Commissioner. Commissioner
11: I had not thought of this before, but with the mayor talking about how successful this program might be, it made me think of the uh, income tax implications for the donors and reporting requirements for the city. Has that been considered in this program?
8: Christy Webb, utility billing manager. So we would be able to easily provide um, it, it details on or information on how much they've donated through that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not a tax expert and I feel like um, a, a lot of places where I, when I've donated, they'll provide that, but then they'll have a caveat that, you know, we're not, we're not indicating that this is um, going to for sure be tax deductible, but here's the information. So um, I would need to consult more on um, our liability in that area, but but in terms of providing how much people have donated into that, that wouldn't we can easily provide that to our customers.
6: Commissioner sure, Nanda, I had a question around um, the two hundred and fifty dollar fee. Is that, you know, one family is approved and they don't need to like pay that fee if they funds again? Or is that, you know, likely to be a monthly thing for some folks? If those are approved monthly, that can get costly real quick. Do you have, do you have any ideas around what that looks like?
8: Christy Webb, utility billing manager. So that, um, I just wanted to clarify that that fee is something that Catholic charities would charge us, but not the customer. And, and, that may, and maybe that's what, um, you're understanding too. Um, but I, I, we, we don't have it in the, we don't we don't have it in this contract but I think um, Jeremy and I have talked about considering a limit you know for example, so it's not the same families who are applying month after month so that that, that those funds are getting distributed equally. Um, so we have talked about, about maybe putting a limit on how many times somebody could apply in a year for these particular funds. Um, But to your point, if, if one family say they applied in, in February and it was approved and then they applied again in June and they were approved, if we didn't have any cap on that, then Catholic charities would charge us $250 for each of those applications because they would consider those separate.
1: Applications to review and approve Mayor Finkel, I If indeed they use um, You know, like the parameters of the emergency services council ESC, I know someone um, And again, it might have changed in the last couple years You know, that money Comes through the county and through FEMA And it's distributed through places like the ballot center And others And they do have a limit Um, and you only can apply once every so many months. I think it used to be once a year, sometimes six months, that you could apply for those CSC funds. Now, that's rent and utility assistance. Um, That being said, it it does make me think, again, not to um, um, question how Catholic Charities is going to run it, but I do think we want to have the amount high enough that it can help people in need And not have it so low that Catholic charities, you know, if they have $1,000 and two people with $500, right, um, you pay those bills, they get, you know, $500. Or you could give five people $200, but that would give them a higher fee but accomplish the same amount. But I do think, so I think we want some parameters on that so we understand that we're helping the, the most people in need and keeping their utilities on obviously the worst case scenario is to give money to someone and they still can't, it doesn't pay the full bill. And they, and then they still later get them turned off. So I think that procedure is important.
8: Christy Webb, utility billing manager. Absolutely. And, and Jeremy Wilmouth and I have talked about, um, you know, what, what would be that reasonable cap. And, um, you know, I, I do think it, I would like to see that we are seeing, larger amounts you know maybe the 500 dollars is, is appropriate or whatever it might be but um I, to your point yeah I'd rather see fewer people getting that help um, if it makes that that bigger impact on their bills because we are we are seeing some balances right now that are you know two thousand dollars for residential customers and that's those are those are large bills to try to tackle um so right I'd rather see see some of those people get that
1: help May I think have we'll other questions before I open it up for public comment? See none. This is a public hearing item. If any member of the public would like to speak on this item, please raise your hand using the raise your hand feature, or if you're present, let Sherry know. Chris Flowers.
7: Hi. Um. This is Chris Flowers. I sent in, in a letter earlier. I guess kind of had some of my questions and concerns, but um, one thing I was just wondering is if an application is approved, will the whole bill paid be paid off? Could this Catholic Charities, if they have like a thousand to give out, could they approve 10 people, but just give a hundred dollars towards each bill? Like, so, so, so I, I think we should make it so that they have to pay off an entire bill just so they're not running up the bill on us and also um if the 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 agenda item report it said that the the fiscal impact is is expected to be 10,000 so does that mean we're expecting um to approve 10,000 dollars worth of applications i mean i according to my math that would be about 40 40 applications approved if it's um 250 a pop um, so, like, if we go if we have more than 40 and we go over the 10,000 and that's what's in the budget, will we stop doing it or are we going to start taking donations like take the 250 out of donations and also I, a question I just had is was a percentage of funds given out ever considered instead of 250 per approved application so like if they give out 10,000 like they get like 10% or so, so like a standard percentage of how much money they give out as opposed to a flat 250 per applicant um that's just a thought i had i i don't think this this doesn't seem like a good and I don't know. It just doesn't seem right to be charging 250 per approved application. This seems like something we need to figure out. How can we do it ourselves and not have to pay? Like because the Lawrence Times said that's about on average two to three months worth of a utility bill is 250. So it just seems like we should be figuring out how we can do this ourselves as a city. Thank you.
8: Billing manager. So um, that is that is May correct.
1: That. Um, Christy, yep. we'll, let's go through public comment. We'll come back and have you answer right. questions.
3: Is there any other public comment on this item? That's all the comment,
1: Mayor. Mayor Piglai. Thank you. I'll we'll bring it back to the Commission.
8: And Christy, I know you're ready to say something, so go ahead, Mayor Christy Webb, Utility Billing Manager. So, um, I, I did want to mention that um, that is correct. That we had set the fiscal impact impact at ten thousand dollars, which, right, that was assuming um, forty approved applications. I know that's a very low number. Um, again, we're we're just we we just don't know how many how many how much funds, how many donated funds that we will have available to, to, um, help in this program. So that's, you know, so we're just being conservative on that. Um, we, we, and this is coming out of the general fund. So this, so that two hundred and fifty that would be paid to Catholic charities would not be coming out of the the pool of donated funds that would be coming out of the general fund. Um, and if we did exceed that, then I would be coming back to the, commission to ask for additional, um, approval for, um, additional funding. So, so yeah, I mean, I think that that's, we just thought that was a good, a good number to start with. It's we, again, this is a brand new program, not having really any good data to go off of. This is just a a number we started with. Um, and we, we had actually thought about making the, the fee that we would pay to Catholic Charities a, a percentage. This is where we landed on for now, but again, we, for um, future iterations of this contract, if we did continue with it, all of that can be um, renegotiated and rethought about what's, what works best for us, what works best for Catholic Charities and um, um, you know, re- find, find a good, a good contract um so yeah i think i think that was the the main questions that i wanted to address
1: may I, feel I thank you sure. commissioner larson did you have a question
10: yeah. yeah commissioner larson so we can renegotiate the contract at which point in the contract
8: utility billing manager so, at, so with this contract that would start would just be a one-year contract so before it goes you know into the next year we, we would be renegotiating it
10: okay so commissioner Larson, that's in 2022 beginning of 2022 is when
8: we could renegotiate it well so this this uh, Christy Webb utility billing manager this contract will start on January 1st 2022 oh okay. gotcha. so so we, we but we could re- re- renegotiate it any time in 2022 effective January 1st 2023
1: that makes Commissioner Marshall, thank you. Yeah, that helps. Mayor Fingledye, um I would also note that there is a provision that says either party can terminate the agreement with 14 days written notice to the other party um, for any or no reason. So certainly, if we saw that you know something that we didn't like going on, we could uh, handle that. Um, I do think the I would add, I mean, I, I do think Commissioner Lawson mentioned this and, and Chris's comments go to it as well as, as my questions. I do think it'd be helpful to, to bring back, um, you know, either, you know, as on the manager, it's not necessarily for our approval, but, um, you know, some understanding of how Catholic Charities intends to operate the program, how often people can apply, what the amount is. Again, a very important point, which is, uh, you know, a certain amount, that allows them to keep their, um, you know, water going forward. Obviously, again, the example of a $2,000 bill and you give them $100 doesn't, you know, do much for us. So, uh, you know, maybe have Catholic Charities. And again, I know they already have this with ESC and other programs, but maybe bring that forward to us so we can see that. Um, It is an exciting program and there's, you know, time to work through these issues. Again, we're not going to be, issuing any funds until january so we have time to walk through these issues but getting this getting this up and running and in particular allowing people to start donating um i don't want to to put off this in the sense that we want to get the program up and running so people can donate and we can start raising the funds those are my thoughts other comments
6: this is commissioner ananda i think that this is something that uh i have been Some might say pestering others might say advocating for um, for quite some time and i'm really excited to have seen the continuing momentum on that i know i believe we just got one response to the rfp um, which was this one and so you know this is getting it off the ground in that first year i'm very excited about the campaign to get folks to donate hopefully it will be wildly successful beyond our imagination um, and really help some folks in our community so thank you for all of your work on
8: this. Web Utility Billing Manager, I just wanted to respond. They, a- absolutely. We're, we're, um, we're also very excited about this. And um, we'll definitely um, gather that additional information from Catholic Charities and provide more details on you know limits and um, how that would work and you know we we can I can get that back to to you all in the next month so that we can get that buttoned up because um, yeah I I absolutely agree it's it's something I want to I'd like to get the, that that campaign started to get people signed up as as soon as we can and start allowing funds to accrue as soon as we can
1: mayor people um, die that does leave me to my question, and, and maybe this is for you, Christy, or for, maybe it's for Sherry or Jeremy. I mean, the actual um, action item is to authorize implementation of the utility assistance program funded through donations on utility bills. So I'm not sure we're you know, actually approving this specific contract as, as worded. Do you, is that what you're expecting, or do you expect once we implement it that We'll finalize this contract and execute like we do lots of other contracts. Kristy, we can't hear you.
8: Oh, can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. Web utility billing manager. Um, so, because this, because we're expecting the fiscal impact to be below ten thousand, you are correct. We're not. We're not presenting the contract for your approval per se, um, because it would be something that um the city manager could could sign off on Um, but i i did want to bring the whole program to you all to consider and and i wanted to have full transparency with the contract just so you saw the the whole package so it was really i was really seeking approval on on the, the program, is it okay to move forward with the program? What what concerns do you have? What can we we make different? Um, because it's new. Um, and I know that it's it's important to to the commission. So, you know, really seeking that that feedback, but overall uh, approving the, the direction of moving forward.
1: Mayor Finkel, I, um, well, certainly I support moving the direction forward, but, um, you know, I do think, um, I think that's an important note um, in particular, as we talk about the 10,000, and you you said earlier about you know bringing it back to us if the fiscal impact changes, I think you know for the the sake of Catholic Charities and and for our sake, you know I think clarifying that as well as you know fixing that expiration deadline and the and the start date in the contract, there's a few little things to clean up in that contract that we can you know finalize that. But obviously, we all know we're heading in this direction and. And i think again the action item will authorize you to continue to move in that um, but then maybe we'll see the final contract when it's executed i know we often see that on consent agendas, and so maybe we can clean up a few of those little items may i think any other questions or comments commissioner i would just like to um, thank staff for putting
10: this together we've been talking about this for a few years now and about utility assistance programs, and this is a direction we want to go as far as providing some social services that we can do. And to thank uh, Commissioner Nanda because she's the one who kind of pushed the utility assistance and donation program. So, thanks a lot.
1: May I think, have like other comments or motions?
6: This Commissioner Nanda, I'd move to authorize implementation of the City of Lawrence Utility Assistance Program funded through donations on utility bills.
1: mr Arson, second. Mayor Fingledeye, there's a motion by Commissioner Ananda, a second by Commissioner Lawson. Commissioner Ananda? Aye. Commissioner Lawson? Aye. Vice Mayor shipley Aye. Commissioner boley Aye. Mayor Fingledeye, aye. Passes 5 to 0. Thank you very much, Christy forward to seeing the program up and running we'll now move to regular agenda item two which is to request authorization for a second quarterly payment to explore lawrence jeremy is this yours
9: yes thank you good evening mayor commission jeremy Wilmoth, finance director um <clears throat> i want to kick this off and then i'll uh, throw it over to uh, kim from explore lawrence to cover their request but um, as you all know, we've been going through this pandemic. Um, one of the funding sources of the city that was most severely impacted by uh, the pandemic is our guest tax fund. And um, as a result, the uh, the revenues that we have in that fund uh, were not enough to support the all the expenditures for 2020 and uh, do not appear to be enough to support all the expenditures for 2021. Um, Much like we did last year, when we saw that the revenues uh, coming in were far under our projections, we met with uh, the staff from Explore Lawrence and explained to them that the funds simply could not support the 294,000 that the contract called for. And uh, we shared with them that we, uh, you know, we have to pull out our crystal ball and anticipate what we think expenditures are going to be. And after uh, looking at all the other uh, expenditures in the fund uh, we came to the conclusion that we have around ninety thousand dollars available that we could make um, available to uh, explore lawrence for this uh, second quarter payment and uh, when we shared that with the the staff and the board uh, members that were present uh, they had indicated that that wasn't going to be enough for them to continue with their operations so we asked them to uh, come up with a revised request that was south of 294 and north of uh, 90. And that is what you have before you tonight. So uh, the revised request is for $192,210. Essentially what you see is three options to provide you flexibility in how you can uh, handle this request. The first option would be simply to provide the entire amount uh, that the contract calls for, which is 249,000. And either the general fund loan that money to the transient guest tax fund or um, provide it as a just a direct allocation without uh, being paid back at a future date. The second option then would be to cover the $192,210 that Explore Lawrence has requested in their revised request with the general fund covering $102,210 as either a loan or a direct payment. And then the third option then would be to provide what we uh, believe is available at this time, which would be allowable under the contract, uh, section three, paragraph E. That essentially covers the cash basis law in Kansas that says we're not obligated to pay things beyond what we have available at the time of the uh, payment. And that would be the 90,000. Throughout the pandemic, staff has uh, repeatedly heard from the community and from uh, the commission that we were trying to keep Operations as uh, as whole as possible, and with that in mind, uh, staff had recommended that we provide the 192,000 that they had requested, uh, so that we can show that uh, we're doing our best to support them and all of the wonderful things they do for our community. Um, we also recommended that it be a loan, so that when the transient guest tax uh, fund turns around, it can reimburse the general fund, so it wouldn't. Rid- it would uh, be a cash loan, if you will, rather than a, 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 a long-term obligation of the general fund. Um, with that, uh, I will either turn it over for questions, or if, uh, Mayor, if you'd like, uh, Explore Lawrence can give their presentation.
1: Mayor Finkel-Dye, um, I think go ahead, Kim, and give your presentation, and we'll come back with questions for both of you.
4: Absolutely. This is Kim Onspach, Interim Director of Explore Lawrence. I did send over some more information this afternoon to commissioners, so I hope you did have a chance to um, read that. But I just wanted to reiterate that, you know, when we talked to the finance department, we did go back and we did move $56,000 over to quarter three of our financial um in our financial commitments, that as we are opening up as a community and as travel demand is increasing, it is important that Explore Lawrence is positioned to leverage our marketing and our sales team for future business to Lawrence. Right now, we're working on events and business that will be booked. 12, 24, 18. On Thursday, we're actually meeting with a sports planner that's looking to book Sports Pavilion Lawrence through 2026. So what we're looking at here is really the long-term economic impact that our efforts can bring to the city. I just, you know, last time I was in front of you guys, it was for National Travel and Tourism Week, and I got to talk about the importance of travel and the power of travel. So today I am here to ask you to honor that importance of our visitor economy and help fund our efforts. You know, as a reminder, before the pandemic, our visitor economy was generating $272 million in Douglas County in direct visitor spending which also contributed $24.5 million in state and local taxes that also supports 7.6% of all jobs in Douglas County. So the visitor economy is ready to come back. We know that it's an economic engine that is important to our town. And I would ask you to fund Explore Lawrence at a level that we can uh, continue our mission and make sure that the long-term economic benefits are there and I would be available for any questions. I have many graphs to show you if you want to see them and many colorful charts. So <laughs> I'm happy to share.
1: You can always count on the cool ones for pretty charts. That's for sure. But questions. Um, I have a, a question. Kim, is the moving the 56000 to the third quarter, is that a... Um, Kind of an accounting move, or is that actually delaying certain activities that you were going to do, and now that you're not going to do?
4: That think that's a great question, Mayor Finkel-Dye. This is Kim Onspach, interim director, Explorer Lawrence. That is moving some of our marketing efforts to quarter three. We are working on a new website that will be launching at the end of. Um, July, early August. So, um, that's delaying some of our branding messaging and marketing campaign to quarter three. Right now, what I really want to be focused on is, of course, our operating expenses and payroll, and then marketing and sales. So, it would also delay... um, our long-term plans of restaffing our sales department back up to our full capacity, which we would like to do sooner rather than later, but we will get it done as soon as we have the funds.
1: May I think of other questions?
11: Uh, this is Commissioner Boley. Um, Jeremy, do you have information about the cash position and the equity position for Explorer Lawrence?
9: Chairman the Finance Director. Um, the information I have is through April 30th. Um, I believe Kim addressed that in her letter to you all uh, dated June 8th though. So I would say that that's probably more accurate information than what I have available right now. I'm sorry, I
11: didn't, this commissioner, but I didn't get a chance to see that letter. Okay.
4: Do you want me, um, this is Kim Onsbach, do you want me to answer a specific question, Commissioner Boley, about the finances?
11: Um, What's the uh, equity position at the net equity at the end of the most recent uh, reporting period?
4: Okay, so on our liquidity, we have about $160,000 cash (laughs) on hand.
11: Excuse me, this Commissioner Bully. I asked for equity, not for liquidity.
4: Are you referring to our, this is Kim Onsvalk, are you referring to our reserve fund, Commissioner Bully?
11: No, this is the the net
4: equity on the balance sheet. Okay, let me bring that up Could to we, answer
11: yeah, that let's question. Let's take a look at the balance sheet.
4: I'm sorry, I'm getting that from the email I sent earlier today, I apologize. (coughs) Am I able to share my screen? Yes. Are you seeing the balance sheet as it turned upside down? (laughs) There we go. Are you able to see that?
10: Yes.
11: This Commissioner Bowley, if you continue going down, we'll see the equity, I think. There we go. So the, the total equity, this Commissioner Bowley looks to be about $214,000, $215,000. <clears> okay. And let's go back up to the uh, current assets. So the current assets are $360,000. Thank
4: you. You're welcome.
1: Thank you. Mayor Finkel. I have any other questions. Kim, okay, can go ahead and stop, stop sharing your screen as well? Yeah, thank you. If not, I can open it up to public comment. This is a public hearing item. If any member of the public would like to speak on this item, please raise your hand, using the raise your hand feature, or if you're present, let Sherry know and she'll call upon you.
3: This is Sherry Readman, city clerk. Mayor, no one has indicated that they want to provide comment on this item.
1: Mr. I thank you. I bring it back to the commission for comments.
11: Uh, this is Commissioner Bowley, um, I appreciate the work that Explorer Lawrence does. Um, I've been on that board uh, for a long time, and you know they do wonderful marketing work and sales work. It's very important to our. Uh, community, it's very important to our unmistakable identity, and it's very important to our economy. Um, I'm very much concerned about going negative in the transient guest tax fund, which is essentially what's being recommended here. Um, And the way I calculate this, um, if we paid the $90,000 that's available, that would take the equity up to 305, it would take the current assets up to 450,000, and you know i would hope that that would provide sufficient resources for explorer lawrence to function for the quarter and give the transit guest tax a chance to recut fund a chance to recover so we can pay them the two f- full 249 next quarter <clears throat>
1: Mayor Finkelvieh, Jeremy, I mean, obviously, it's not um, common that we have uh, pandemics, but do we, is is there been past practices of of loaning money to a fund?
9: Jeremy Willmeth, finance director. Um, It does occur uh, from time to time. Normally, it's a timing issue, uh, similar to the one that we're discussing. this being, if we if we believe the receipts in the future are going to exceed the uh, obligations um, that we currently have, then we're essentially loaning that money up front and then collecting it on the back end. Um, so I wouldn't say that, you know, it's never occurred, um, but it, it's not a common occurrence.
1: Thank you, Jeremy. Kim, can you bring up the, the chart you sent about um, earlier today about the, the income to the transit guest task, tax and the room nights.
4: Kim uh, Spock Explore Lawrence. Is this the chart you're referring to, Mayor Finkelday? This Mayor will show, yes. okay. Kim um, Spock Explore Lawrence. This shows um, data collected from our hotel properties. It's called the Star Report and it is an industry standard uh, that we do subscribe to. We have created a report in-house for internal use that tracks us from 2018 through 2021. Um, That's because our typical star report only compares to the previous year and we did not feel that 2020 was a good benchmark for growth. We needed to see what was happening at 2019. So as you can see in um, January, February, we still were below that 2019 number. But in March, we did reach our 2019 occupancy in hotels. And then April was very close. Um, The one, the really exciting thing is we are seeing our ADR, which is our average daily room rate, and the revenue per room has been showing um, a a growth trajectory all year. So, as the occupancy is increasing, the rate will also begin to increase and rebound. Um, In April, our TGT collections were up over 43% over the previous year, and that was the first month of growth we had seen in collections. So, we are um, anticipating better collections in quarter two of this year
1: finger I thank you for that
3: mm-hmm.
4: shall I stop share
1: or yes yes please I guess given that information and the you know the fact that you know it's, it appears things are coming back I guess I'm not as concerned as you commissioner bully on on loaning the money to that transit guest tax to be sure that we can can continue to you know operate explore law and set the you know at the appropriate level as we try to keep our sales up but um so i guess i lean towards supporting the recommendation from staff but i'm open to discussion on that item
11: uh, this commissioner bully i guess i'd like to respond that you know the transient guest tax fund uh, provides a lot of other uh features as well including the cultural arts commission which we really recently received communication from uh, i think morrow angel about her concerns about the fund Um, there's also um, other expenditures the tgt grant fund i believe comes out of that so um, i guess my point is that the um, resources are there you know it's been over a year since the pandemic began and explorer lawrence is still in a strong fiscal position with the cash that they have and the equity. It's not just borrowed money, it's equity. And what that equity represents is prior year transient guest tax funds that were awarded by the city, but not spent by uh, Explore Lawrence. So it's essentially transient guest tax funds that are in their balance sheet. So. Um,
10: Commissioner Larson, um, I, I, I also have concerns about um, borrowing money from the general fund or um, having the TDT go, go negative. Um, if we're going to reevaluate this in, in the next quarter to determine how much money they, we can release to them at that time, I would much rather that we see how the quarter goes and then make a determination then as to how much we can release. Because as I have to agree with Commissioner Roller, we have other programs that also access these funds and we need to, um, you know, take that into consideration when we're, we're providing any funding source, any funding, any fund to explore Lawrence. And that doesn't mean I'm saying that explore Lawrence isn't doing their job. They do do a great job and I really appreciate their work, but I'm concerned about having a fund go negative for, for one organization.
12: Hi, Mayor Shipley. Um, Mayor, I, I share the same concerns. One thing I think that makes this organization a little different, maybe than some of the other ones that have been named is, and I may be wrong, as their ability to fundraise on their own. Um, I, don't, I don't know that that's something they, they normally do, unlike, let's say, the Arts Center, um, cultural arts funding. Um, maybe Mayor, you know, or perhaps Kim could answer that.
4: Uh, Kim on Spock, Explorer, Lawrence. Yeah. Um, Vice Mayor Shipley, we are a 501 C6. So we most of our funding is from the transient guest tax. We have um, we did receive a PPP loan. Um, that will be forgiven. But because of the timing of that, we were not able to access the second round of those funding. So we did not get that 93,000 we thought we were because the funds in the PPP did run out and we do not have um, outside sources of funding. In our reserve fund, I would like to clarify that of that 202,000 that is in our reserve fund, that 150 of that is our idle loan, which is uh, part of the pandemic relief and is not um, due to unspent funds. We got that and it's sitting there. It requires some board approval to spend and it's our break in, in case of emergency fund because we do have to pay that back. And then the remaining 50000 is what we've been advised to keep on hand as a reserve fund.
1: Mayor Finkel, Jeremy, do we get transit guest tax remitted to us from the state on a quarterly basis? Is that why it's once a quarter we don't get monthly like sales tax?
9: Jeremy Wilmeth, finance director, that's correct. It's um, one quarter and it's it's behind. So in August we'll be getting the revenues that were collected by the state um, for the quarter prior.
1: So April, May, and June will be coming in August, correct? Jeremy Welland, the finance director. Mayor Finkel, based upon the graphs, we saw those will be considerably higher than the last quarter's payment. Is that your understanding, Jeremy?
9: Jeremy Wilmoth, Finance Director. The the only numbers um, we've seen so far is April. I don't believe May's been released by the state of Kansas yet. Uh, but if April is an indicator of May, then the, yes, it'll be considerably higher than the last quarter.
6: This is Commissioner Ananda. I do. Um, I think that the mayor has a good point in that this is this is. The kind of program and the kind of um, business, for lack of a better word, that's going to be behind, um, and that will have to spend in order to make uh, up for the time that they've lost during the pandemic. I think that I would I would tend to lean more toward um, the one hundred and um, I think ninety two was the amended request um, so that we can get to that point, And then we can look at that third quarter piece and have a conversation at that time.
11: This is Commissioner Bolle. um My response, uh, Commissioner Nanda is that the resources are actually in Explorer Lawrence now to be able to make it through the quarter and see what happens in the third quarter. And if we're behind $100,000 going into the third quarter, that's going to put real pressure on us going forward. So I, I think the resources are there. If I didn't think Explore Lawrence could function with excellence and through this quarter, then I wouldn't be saying that, having the position that I do. I believe that they can because they have the resources available to them.
6: This is Commissioner Arnanda. Is that the case that you could function through the third, to the third quarter without breaking into that um, fund that you would have to repay? Kim?
4: This is Kim Onspock, Explore Lawrence. Um, With our, without tapping into our reserve fund, I would not be able to fund the whole quarter with what we have cash on hand right now outside of that reserve fund that I mentioned before with idle and our 50,000.
6: This is Commissioner Hernandez. So my question is, would you go beyond that 50,000 reserve or and have to break into that idle fund or would it just be the reserve? Um,
4: I, this is Kim on Spock, Explore Lawrence. The 192 that I have is close, is my, you know, bare bones operating. So I would, I would say we would need to break into that, Commissioner Ananda. The the idle loan is we would need to go into that to cover all of our commitments and be able to do what we need to do.
11: This is Commissioner Bowley, what was the purpose of the idle loan?
4: is kim on spock explore lawrence um that does predate my role as interim director but my understanding is that we did go after that emergency money to have it on hand if we had another economic shutdown to ensure that we could remain uh solvent
11: this commissioner Miller, so those funds are available for this purpose I, I think that's my point that's why these are there and um you know, what we'd be doing would be digging a bigger hole for the, the transient guest tax fund for the third quarter.
10: Commissioner Arson, that would, it would impact not Explorer Lawrence, but other organizations who potentially tap into that money. Um, so, so I'm just concerned about running a neg- negative balance and how it's gonna in- impact the whole um tgt funding process for for others as well as explorer lawrence you know i'm all in favor of trying to to work to make them hold as we go forward in our quarters and look at next quarter to see where we are to get them back to their funding levels but i just am very hesitant about um, going negative on that fund
6: this is commissioner is there room in the conversation for considering removing the 54 that we're attributing to the reserve fund that isn't a loan and saying 142.
4: Was that directed at me? This is Kim Ansvack or was that
6: that to the commission? This is to the commission. Okay, thank you. Um, And let me know if I need to clarify.
10: Commissioner Larson, could you please c- clarify that a little bit more, um, Commissioner Hernandez?
6: Sure. So um, this is Commissioner Hernandez. So ninety was the the amount remaining. Um, One ninety two was the amended request. If we look at you know the fact that we're dipping into you know the we're scraping the bottom of the barrel in many of our funds as well, um, and and those reserve funds are there for emergencies. So if we look at that fund being used in this instance. Um, When they would need to rebuild that rather than obligating them to pay back a presumably federal loan or state loan, um, having them obligated to the city for one fifty two or I'm sorry, one forty two rather than the one ninety two. So removing the amount that they have in their reserve that we're talking about, that is not the state or federal loan that they, they have for the breaking in case of emergency situation. Is that something that the commission would consider?
11: This is Commissioner Bowley. I'm concerned that, you know, the break in case of emergency is that our transit gas tax is going to be negative and it will further um you know, it'll dig the hole deeper for the next quarter. I think we can make it through to the next quarter and see how the receipts go and then, you know, fund them for the contract if if they're there. Mayor Fingled, uh,
1: Commissioner Bully, and I'm not saying this is a possibility, but it could be, if we just loaned money to Explore Lawrence directly, as opposed to loaning it through the transit guest tax. So, ninety thousand remain in the transit guest tax.
13: This
11: is um, Mr. Buli, why would why would they need another loan? They've got the cash. They've got the current assets. Um, the loan on the idle loan is payable over thirty years, I think, isn't it? So. You know they have the resources to be able to function at a high level through this quarter, and you know we can come back and 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 see where we are for the for the next quarter. I mean, our fund is broke; they're not. That's the deal.
1: Mayor Finkelteye. so Commissioner Bully. I mean, I know you served on the board and have for a while. And I think you said earlier you are convinced they can continue to um, perform at a high level. Um, if in the next quarter you you learn or we learn that they can't function at a high level given their resources, would you be opposed to them coming back and making a request, or do you think they should have not, to wait?
11: At all, Commissioner Boy? Not at all. I mean, I I say this with confidence that they can do well. I mean that's and. And they are important. The marketing of Lawrence, the unmistakable identity is is key. I mean, we need that. But I think we can do that with the funding that's available to them and without digging our own funds hole even deeper. I mean, you know, so I don't know how else to say it. I think they can do well. If I didn't think so, I'd try to come up with a different solution.
10: Commissioner Larson, is that a thirty year loan note on that, Kim? Kim on Spock,
4: yes, Commissioner Larson, it
10: is. Thank you.
1: a lay any other comments or questions or motions, I'm <laughs> contemplating myself, but other this, this,
11: this Commissioner Bowley. I move that we determine that insufficient public funds exist to fully fund the grantee at the level set forth in the agreement and the city pay the ninety thousand dollars available for the quarterly payment.
10: Commissioner Larson, second.
1: Mayor Finkel there's a motion by Commissioner Bully, a second by Commissioner Lawson. Commissioner Bully? Aye. Commissioner Lawson?
10: Aye.
1: Vice Mayor Shipley? Nay. Commissioner Nanda? Nay. Mayor Finkelie. Nay. Fails on a two to three vote. Is there another motion or further conversation?
12: Mayor, this is Commissioner Shipley. Uh, I thought the uh, in-between compromise that uh, Commissioner Ananda suggested seemed valiant. Is that a motion she would be interested in making?
6: This is Commissioner Ananda, I'm willing to make that motion. Let me pull up the language again. Um I move that we authorize a second quarterly payment to explore Lawrence for one forty-two two ten and allow the general fund to loan the transient guest tax fund fifty-two thousand dollars two hundred and fifty-two thousand two hundred and ten dollars in accordance with section three e of the agreement. Vice
14: Commissioner, we can't hear
12: you. Unit. Oh sorry. Uh, Vice Mayor Shipley uh, second, but I just did want to clarify. I wrote down 142. Is it 142 or 152?
6: 142. Thank you.
1: Mayor Fingaldi, there's a motion by Commissioner Ananda. Second by Vice Mayor Shipley. Commissioner Ananda. Vice Mayor Shipley. Aye. Um, Commissioner Lawson. Nay. Commissioner Bully. Nay. Mayor Fingaldi, aye. Passes three to two. Thank you, Kim. Thank you, Jeremy. We're now moving on to regular agenda item number three, which is to receive the recommended 2022 to 2026 capital improvement plan, vehicle equipment replacement plan and maintenance plan. Danielle, looks like you get to lead us off.
2: Uh, good evening, mayor and commissioners. Um, I am going to lead off the presentation. We do have um, several slides to get through. So Jeremy and I are, are going to kind of tag team it a little bit. So. Um, Let me go ahead and share my screen quick and get the presentation up um, and ready to go. All right, hopefully you all can see the uh, presentation slide and not the notes slide. Um, So good evening. Um, As uh, Mayor finkel alluded to um, this evening before you, we are reviewing the 2022 through 2026 Capital Improvement Plan um, recommendation Um, I do wanna kind of start off with the caveat of, uh, we typically bring you this plan before we start talking about our operating budget. Um, So we're still very much in the process of of putting together uh, the city manager's uh, recommended operating budget. So um, as these conversations continue um, and move forward, you know, some of these things may uh, change and adapt based on uh, those continuing conversations and discussions. Um, We do want to start with just a little bit of background. Uh, This is a little bit um, new for us um, as a city. Um, So we want to kind of start with defining our terms a little bit. So um, when we talk about our capital improvement plan or CIP for short, um, we're really talking about a long-term planning tool for our capital budget um, that really helps to identify and articulate in in, in one place What the capital needs are for the city and really start to identify funding availability um, to help meet those needs and ultimately to prioritize um, those projects and identify funding um, that is appropriate um, for those needs that have been identified. Um, So talking a little bit about what is included in the capital improvement plan versus what is not. Um, so the capital improvement plan can kind of be thought of as those one-time large expenditures. So those things that cost $100,000 or more, um, and create a new asset or enhance um, a current asset condition beyond its original or current um, state. Um, they should also include um, one of these uh, following components: so extend the useful life of the asset, enhance the quality of service reduce future maintenance costs and upgrade critical components of the asset. So um, the capital improvement plan, like I said, really for those large um, one-time expenditures, we'll get into the maintenance plan in a little bit. Um, That's more of the ongoing maintenance needs. Um, So like I mentioned, um, things that are not included in our CIP are those um, kind of ongoing maintenance dollars we set aside every year. Um, equipment and software improvements. We have moved those over to the vehicle and equipment replacement plan um, to kind of capture those um, costs specifically, excuse me. Um, All right, so getting into the maintenance plan and kind of what is categorized here. um, The maintenance plan really um, is is set forth to um, identify the routine and preventative maintenance um, programs typically is how they're structured that cost more than $50,000. So generally these are more programmatic in nature, although we do have um, some kind of maintenance projects um, in the maintenance plan as well, but really um, it's those things that exceed $50,000. Often um, as it relates to our maintenance plan, these specific projects may not be known um, at the time that we're presenting this information to you all Um, and and as the budget is adopted, uh, but these projects and programs um, help us achieve some of the following goal, some of the following goals, Um, restoring the assets, um, uh, physical condition, bringing that um, asset up to um, a designated standard, preventing uh, failure of deterioration, deterioration, and then replacing or substituting some sort of component of that asset um, to kind of push out uh, the end of life. and kind of do that that temporary repair. Um, So this helps us kind of maintain the assets that we have um, currently in place um, so that we can continue to to keep those operational. And then moving into the vehicle and equipment replacement plan, um, we'll often refer to this as the VERB. Um, This is really the planning document where we identify all vehicle purchases regardless of cost Um, And any type of machinery or equipment or software that exceeds $20,000 and equips a person or an operation in providing a good or a service. Um, This is relatively new, so uh, we're able to kind of identify um, some more of these projects this year than uh, we have before, Um, but this is really the the definition that we use when when looking at those uh, particular projects. Um, and then kind of talking about the long-term goals um, of the CIP, of the maintenance plan and of the vehicle and equipment replacement plan. Um, and we kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier, but I think it's it's worth um, uh, noting again. Um, but really uh, having these plans in place to help identify the needs we have in our community um, and provide a more accurate depiction of um, our maintenance needs um, and, and some of the deferred maintenance um, items that we have. And ultimately, the goal with all of this is to get to the lowest cost of ownership um, so that we're spending uh, public dollars in the most efficient way uh, that we can. Um, And it also provides kind of that long term five year um, scope um, related to what what we're anticipating. So we're continuing to get better at this. Uh, There's still improvements to be made, um, but these plans really kind of help um, set the framework and the stage for kind of those long term discussions as we talk about um, our capital needs. Um, So next, just want to kind of review a little bit the summary of the requests. Um, So as we get into it, and as I pass it off to Jeremy, we'll kind of talk about what is included on kind of the funded side versus the unfunded side. This is to give you kind of that full scope of uh, the requests uh, that that have been received. Um, So as it relates to the capital improvement plan, the total five-year request uh, that's been identified is $345 million. On the maintenance plan side, it's $195 million. And then on the vehicle and equipment replacement side over the five years, it's uh, just over $48 million for a total over the five year period of $589 million. Um, Of that, what is requested in 2022 um, is $114 million. So we'll um, get into the details of that here um, in just a couple slides. One of the other things we uh, wanted to kind of highlight um, as we kind of jump into these conversations is that we have two kind of general funding categories um, for all of these plans. Um, So we obviously have kind of those governmental tax supported dollars um, in the general fund, special revenue funds uh, like our infrastructure sales tax fund, um, as well as um, our debt service fund. So anything we want to um, bond over the course of, of Um, however many years, depending on the life of the asset um, repayment of that um, comes out of the debt service. So those are the the key revenues um, on the uh, kind of governmental or tax supported side. And then we also have funding um, in these plans um, that are proprietary funds. So these are our enterprise funds or fee supported funds. Um, So think of the water and wastewater fund, solid waste funds, stormwater, um, as well as our internal service funds. So Um, these are kind of the two general buckets of funding that we talk about and we look at um, as we're putting these um, funds uh, and plans and recommendations together. Um, I do want to spend just a a minute or so um, kind of talking about the prioritization process. Um, So one thing that we did last year for the first time um, is really put together um, and brought to you all for um, adoption Uh, but put together a uh, prioritization process and um, guidelines for all of our capital improvement plan projects. Um, So all of the uh, departments uh, went through and reviewed their capital improvement plan projects and scored them against that CIP scoring criteria uh, that you all adopted um, last year um, to give us kind of a, a base score. And then we put together peer review teams to kind of focus on Um, those various categories. So there's 10 categories in total um, to really look at um, categories specifically to make sure that we had consistency across the different departments in terms of um, how things were scored to get us a final weighted score out of 100. Um, So like I said, this is the second year um, that we have utilized this process. Um, And um, I I think it really helps as we kind of get into these conversations Um, related to um, these various plans to to really have that um, core prioritization process in place. We can kind of lean on and utilize um, as we're bringing forward recommendations to you all. Um, Again, for those visual people, uh, we wanted to kind of um, identify and include um, how the math uh, works related to the scoring. So we put together kind of this generic scoring example Um, So we can kind of see how the math works. Um, If you will recall back to a year ago or so, um, there are different weightings that are identified for the different um, categories um, of the um, scoring process. So this identifies um, all of those different weights and kind of shows you how that total score out of 100, in this case 36, um, how that math is done to, to come up with that amount. So I'm not going to go through all of these, but for example, we have project A over here in um, in long-term planning. I'll remind you, scores are from zero to five, uh, received a four in long-term planning. The weight of that uh, category is a two. So they get, this project would get eight points out of 10 for this particular category. Um, And you kind of continue that that math down down the line. So just wanted to kind of include a, a visual for how uh, that scoring is actually calculated uh, just as just as a reminder um, all right so this is the point of the presentation i'm actually going to hand it off to jeremy um, to go through um, the remainder of it um, i will keep sharing my screen so we don't have to do the unshare reshare um, shuffle but uh, jeremy i will pass it off to you
9: thank you very much danielle jeremy Wilmuth, finance director Um, We're excited tonight to talk about the uh, city manager's recommended uh, CIP for 22 through uh, fiscal year 2026. And as Danielle mentioned, um, we are still crafting the entire uh, recommended budget for the city manager. So uh, some of the things that are currently funded may move to unfunded based on uh, other discussions that uh, will be occurring over the next month uh, with the budget. But uh, the plan is we have it for you tonight shows a uh, funded cip of 51.6 million in 2022 and a funded cip for the next five years of uh, 243.7 million danielle if you want to move to the next slide we uh, wanted to show you the cip by outcome this is obviously a new thing for us so this was not in our presentation last year but uh, as the strategic plan has been identified by the outcome areas and the commitments to support those outcomes, we wanted to show how the CIP would fall uh, for for contextual purposes uh, by outcome area. So starting at the top of the CIP, looking at projects that will be funded by future debt obligations. um, The highest scoring project in that category is the Broken Arrow Shelter, which is a project to uh, make that shelter ADA compliant. It scored uh, 59 points. And uh, I'm I'm not gonna read all of these to you, but you can just see uh, the scores broken out by the projects, uh, our main projects in this first category are Broken Arrow, Farmland, and the 23rd Street, um, Haskell Bridge, or from Haskell Bridge, excuse me, to the City Limit Line. Danielle, if you wanna go to the next one. The uh, funding in that category Uh, stopped at 36, so anything that scored under 36 would be unfunded uh, in the current um, projections. For the general fund, the top funded project was the youth sports complex, again, an ADA project for sidewalks and parking lots, uh, scoring 71 out of 100. And you can see uh, updating the land development code also scored very highly on this plan. Uh, A restroom replacement program uh, for the Broken Arrow Park also scored very highly. Move on to the next slide. And thirty-nine was the cutoff for the general fund. For the infrastructure sales tax, the top-scoring project was the De Victor Park Trail Improvements at fifty-three. We also have the annual sidewalk bike ped improvement projects, uh, the Lawrence Loop from uh, Michigan to Chandra Shaw Park, and Eisenhower Draw drive, park, uh, trail and a play development where the funded projects out of the sales tax, the lowest scoring project uh, in the sales tax was a 36 as well. Public parking starts with the New Hampshire parking garage and closing the stairways. Uh, that was scored a 40 on our list. The uh, public transit fund multimodal facility scored a 56. There were two projects identified for the CIP and the Stormwater Fund, the Jayhawk Watershed, scored a 65, and the uh, program to uh, identify and create a a model for the stormwater system, scored a 47. On the revenue bond side, the top project was the Southwest Lawrence Conveyance Corridor Improvement Project, uh, scoring a 55. And you can see we have several other projects that scored as well. I think it goes, yeah. So, what we wanted to show were projects that scored uh, and were funded in the 2021 through 2025 CIP, but were now listed as unfunded in the current CIP. So, you could see the cost, the difference of the score that dropped. Um, we start with the park property acquisition. It uh, had scored a 38 last year, but when it was scored this year, it dropped to 33, which put it below the line, as well as Holcomb Park Recreation Center Expansion Project, the Police Training uh, Center Facility, and the 27th Street Bridge. Um, Projects that also dropped below the line were the Naismith Bicycle Track from 19th to 23rd and the East Lawrence Center Gymnastic Expansion. The other three projects that we have uh, that were funded before but are not now is Wakarusa from Harvard to Sixth, a cemetery maintenance shop replacement and the vehicle canopy and weather protection for the new police facility. The next slide shows the uh, projects that were unfunded uh, for the 2022 uh, budget. The uh, top one is the
15: uh,
9: new fire station, uh, number six, that has been requested. Um, there was an algae treatment farmland project that was uh, a citizen initiative, but we considered that to be part of the staff uh, driven farmland project, so it is also unfunded. The downtown parking lot sign replacement program in the par- in the parking fund, uh, the 23rd street land use and neighborhood study the Atchison Creek Trail uh, from West 19th to Bob Billings. There was a fiber project the parks department had requested and the uh, bicycle track on uh, uh, Iowa to 31st Street. A few others that are unfunded are the safety shoulders on Noria Road, uh, the Burroughs Creek Trail extension, an indoor police shooting range, the bikeway green pavement retrofit, and a wireless gate at 19th and O'Connell. So some of the uh, policy questions we have surrounding the CIP is um, of the projects that you saw that were funded to unfunded, is there a, uh, a project that um, you would like to see future plans developed uh, assuming that funding as well? And then uh, some of the resident requests, um, would it be more appropriate for those to go through an advisory board before they come to the city commission? Um, Is is this something you like city staff to explore or are you uh, satisfied with the process of um, citizens, you know, essentially creating their own CIP project and putting it in um, into the uh, request pipeline? Mayor, I don't know if you want to discuss the CIP before we move on to the VERP or if you'd like us to continue with the presentation.
1: Mayor Finkel, I'm open the other commissioners stop. I think go ahead and finish the presentation and we'll come back to that slide.
9: Very good. Thank you. Moving on to uh, the vehicle and equipment replacement plan, affectionately known as the VERP around the uh, second floor of City Hall. Um, The funded portion for 2022 is 16.2 million. The funded uh, VERP for the entire plan is 42.3 million. We again uh, show the VERP by outcome area. So you can see um, where the uh, VERP is targeted by outcome. And then again, here are the list of the funded projects uh, in the VERP, Probably the, the um, two most nearest and dear to my heart would be the new finance system and the new uh, HRIS system to really help all of our departments um, with reporting uh, timely information and better control uh, over the finances and the uh, human resources uh, functions of, of, of the organization. In addition to that, um, I don't know that I have much to add here. I I would, Danielle, I think you can just move on. These are all the funded projects in the VERP. and the next slide where we spend more time would be the unfunded request. Um, one is a fire medical slash police mobile command vehicle for uh, 1.5 million 1.5 million. There was a uh, utility vehicle and equipment replacement program that was proposed, uh, but funding has not been identified yet in the rate model of $341,000. Uh, solid Waste had a truck, also not identified in the rate model of 72000 And then there were forklifts and uh, skid steers for uh, 275000 total. Moving down to the maintenance plan, uh, we have thirty-two point five million programmed uh, currently in the budget for maintenance in the in fiscal year twenty twenty-two, and a total of one hundred and fifty-nine point three million over the next five years. The uh, maintenance plan, which probably will come as a shock to no one, is primarily funded uh, or supporting connected the connected city outcome. Uh, it's essentially. Uh, all infrastructure, whether it be street infrastructure or utility infrastructure. And so here are the list of projects that are funded in the maintenance plan. You can see we have some stormwater projects that will be funded through uh, general obligation debt. We have um, water projects that are both funded through debt and um, operating funds. A lot of these uh, programs are annual expenses that uh, you see every year. So I won't spend a lot of time on these unless there's any questions. If you wanna move on to the, um, I guess we stop here. So street maintenance is uh, one of those areas that um, has several funding sources as you can see, and is uh, currently programmed in the budget at 5.4 million you'll see, I believe on the next slide or a couple of slides that it's uh, also on the unfunded list or almost an equal amount. So the, the level of street maintenance, um, that staff believes needs to be funded is essentially almost double what we, we actually have programmed into the budget. So, um, that's an area of growing concern, uh, as well as parking and garage maintenance. Um, Failed infrastructure, uh, the wastewater facilities. I I would say this is a contingency fund, so it's probably not as critical, but something that we'd like to get programmed into the rate model into the future. I believe those are all the unfunded requests. So uh, just to sort of go over the next steps, the uh, next significant step in our budget process is the presentation of the recommended budget on July 13th. Um, Due to the new state law that was passed through Senate Bill 13, we'll need to notify the county uh, before July 20th uh, of our intent to exceed the revenue neutral rate, as you all discussed uh, previously. And then um, we're currently considering a couple options, but at the time we put the presentation together, we thought, uh, you know, a follow-up presentation on August 10th to keep the budget discussion going before the hearing on the 7th made some sense. Uh, we've we've since thought about um, possibly combining those two and having a special meeting at the end of August, um, rather than waiting until September to have that revenue ne- neutral rate hearing. The statute simply says that the hearing can't happen before August 20th, um, and it has to happen, I believe before September 20th. So those are the parameters. Um, when we put this schedule together, we were thinking, No special meetings, so we're just trying to hit uh, regular city commission meeting dates. But if the commission is willing, um, we believe it may be more impactful uh, to have one meeting where we cover any follow-up to the budget presentation and the hearings at the end of August at a specially called meeting. And so if that is the the direction the commission would like to go, we'll need to get that on an agenda here pretty soon uh, to notify the public. And then um, the bu- the budget resolution is uh, currently planned to be presented on September 14th. So overall policy questions for the CIP, the VERB and the maintenance plan, were there unfunded projects that you all would like to see moved into uh, the funded list and vice versa, funded projects that we would then move to unfunded? Um, or are there any projects that you think should be delayed or reprioritized that you'd like staff to look into? And I believe those are all of our comments tonight. We'd be happy to answer any questions or go through any of the slides in further detail if you would like.
1: Mayor finkel uh, questions from commissioners?
10: Commissioner Larson, uh, Jeremy, do do are we going to get a copy of all the scoring um that was done on each one of the projects in the cip so we can get an idea where they all fell
9: jeremy Wilmot, finance director that is currently on our website um, but we'll make sure that we get that link to you
10: commissioner Larson. thank you also um do are we going to get the project sheets i guess i hadn't had a chance to look at those yet
9: Jeremy Wilmoth, finance director. Those are also uh, out on the website. And uh, just due to the volume of them, we didn't attach it to the presentation, but I believe the staff memo has a link in it uh, to the uh, budget website.
1: Mayor Fingoldy, yes, Jeremy, it has a link to that, to the budget website, then you can get the CIP by total score, category score, and the detail sheets there. Other other questions? Well, I know there's some questions they want us to specifically answer, but... uh, we can come back and do that in discussion. Maybe we go ahead and take public comment and then maybe take a break and then come back with with questions and, and discussion at that point. Does that work for the commissioners? Okay, let's go ahead and open this um, item to public comment. Um, any member of the public would like to speak on this item, please raise your hand using the Raise Your Hand feature. Or if you're present, let Sherry know and she will call upon you.
3: This is Sherry Reedman, city clerk. I know there were several individuals who got the link and listed this item, but if you could still just please raise your hand or turn on your camera if you wish to speak just so I know for sure that you're actually wanting to provide comment on this item. Nicholas Ward.
14: Hello Mayor, Commissioners, uh, Nicholas Ward here, um, speaking today as a lifelong skateboarder as one of the lead designers and builders at Edgewood Community Skate Park in Edgewood Park and as an advocate of skateboarding in public spaces. The skate park at Centennial was remodeled nearly a decade ago, which resulted in a 50% decrease in the footprint of the skatable surface there. Since that remodel, the skateboarding community has grown significantly in a number of Um, both in number and diversity. In response, a number of local skateboarders activated and became invested in a DIY or a do-it-yourself model by creating smaller unsanctioned skate parks throughout the community. In 2016, we began to formalize this model by working directly with Parks and Rec staff on a protocol and a process for developing an official sanctioned site in the Brook Creek neighborhood. Since that time, Edgewood Community Skate Park has served the immediate community especially young skaters living nearby at the edgewood homes administered by lawrence douglas county housing authority on any given day you can see a great range of use and users from skateboarding and roller skating to wheelchairs bicycles rc cars and as a gym for amateur cartwheel competitions this previously underutilized space now receives more use than it ever has and at very low cost to the city following up on this great success we continued talks with parks and recreation which resulted in a conversation about the long-awaited completion of Centennial Skate Park. So far, a plan has been developed to finish a small portion of the remaining footprint that work, roughly one-fifth of the overall footprint, will be completed at Centennial in November of this year. The DIY Skate Park at Edgewood Park has been valued by Evergreen Skate Parks as a $100,000 asset for the Lawrence community. This is an endeavor designed and built by regular folks, and it will serve our community for decades. In your consideration of the CIP budget, we are asking for a similar investment from the city of Lawrence in the public skate park site at Centennial Centennial Park. Park. The estimate to complete the the site site to make it safe and to fully realize the potential of the space requires $160,000. Parks and Rec placed this initiative in the 2027 CIP. Working together with Parks and Recreation, we have updated the estimate through consultation with a professional skate park building company and are asking that the initiative be moved up into the 2023 CIP. I wanna give a great thanks to all the skaters and supporters who have poured their love and time into these efforts, as well as to the staff of Parks and Recreation who have spent the last five years forming a great relationship with the skaters of this community. Thank you.
3: Michael Ullman.
14: Good evening.
16: My name is Michael Allman. I'm the Multimodal Chair at the Sustainability Action Network. Uh, The CIP project scoring matrix seems to have some glitches in my opinion. It's not entirely objective. Some of it is data-driven, but much of it is value-driven by how you have created the matrix. So it's really only a guide and not a substitute for you, the commissioners, exercising discretion with levels of funding. Given that bicycle transportation has received less than 1% of all transportation dollars, that's really not equity. You have the option of reallocating roughly $5 million of infrastructure sales tax to increase the bicycle proportion to what, 2 3% maybe? But for our five bikeway proposals that you have before you, you have even more options, all five rated currently by staff for no funding at all. For example, project number one, we didn't propose that you spend $572,000 on the Atchison Creek bikeway. What we propose is that you enter negotiations with Evergy and with KU for sharing that cost. After all, KU's 10-year master plan calls for a trail right there. With Evergy's substation imminent, we recommend that you direct managerial staff to begin those talks. Project two, it would also appear that the $495,000 for South Iowa Bikeway is eligible for 80% of CCLIP funding, which is targeted at projects that, quote, markedly improve the safety, capacity, and operational need of transportation, in this case, bicycle transportation, a core city service. We recommend that you direct MSO staff to pursue that with KDOT. Our Noria Road proposal is to use existing street maintenance dollars to build seven foot wide shoulders instead of the existing four foot wide shoulders that MSO is intending. And it's true that Project 4, there's no readily available funds for the Lakeview Road bikeway unless you reallocate those infrastructure sales tax dollars. And Project 5, after your community, after after you committed last year to $382,000 for green pavement markings, It's truly absurd that staff suggests no funds this year for just five more projects. Uh, So we recommend that you consider all of these to move them up from the unfunded category using very uh, creative and, and varied sources of funding. I appreciate your time and your work. Thank you.
3: Sam Thomas.
15: Hi, uh, my name is Sam Thomas. I'm a uh, skateboarder here in Lawrence. I'm also a graduate student at the University of Kansas, and I'm on the board uh, for the Lawrence Skaters Association for LSA with Nick and a few other people. Um, I'm just on here to chime in about uh, getting the uh, skate park remodel for this CIP in 2023. Um, something, I've been skateboarding in Lawrence for like a decade. Uh, And skateboarding has had definitely like a positive impact on my life. It's made me uh, meet a lot of new people, expand my worldviews because skateboarding has become increasingly diverse. Um, It's had had me make connections when I travel to different places because I meet people that just skateboard and that just makes the connection just that much easier. Um, Something that I think the uh, skate park not only provides for the community of skateboarders by just giving, you know, more rideable service surfaces, more obstacles and just, you know, new things to do. I think that I know that when I want to go skate somewhere else, I go skate Kansas city. I've gone down to Tulsa, uh, Bartlesville where I went to undergrad and, you know, you go down there to somewhere to skate a different park and you're not just skateboarding in that park. You're, you know, Buying from like local businesses in that community, and you're uh, also, you know, uh, interacting with those people there. And I think something cool that could happen if we make Centennial a bigger park and a more attractive park for people just outside of Lawrence, that it, it uh, invite more people into our community. Uh, it would increase economic revenue for the city of Lawrence, and it would just create uh, a bigger community in the Midwest skateboarding scene. And that's just something that I think uh, Lawrence could really shine with, with the the uniquely unmistakable Lawrence identity that we have. Uh, The skate park back in the day was the first skate park to have lights. uh, And that brought a lot of people in. And now every other skate park has lights. So that's not that big of a deal. But I think if we make our skate park unique and attractive, then we'll bring more people into the community and we'll not only support the Lawrence skateboard community, but support the Lawrence community at large. Uh, Thank you for your time. Thank you.
3: Joshua Brooks.
15: Hi,
16: can you hear me?
17: Can you hear me? Now we can, now we can. Okay, Um, I'm gonna kind of leave off where Sam was about the skate park and how it could benefit in the future um because actually the skateboarding is going to be in the olympics this year and um i think just having that bigger park a more attractive park i mean people already want to move to lawrence but i think having that that much more bigger appealing park you know in a sense we're almost building olympic training grounds now (coughs) excuse me and um so I don't know. I just think it's, you know, it's getting more and more popular. I actually work at the, at the skate shop, at River Rat Skate Shop here in town. And I, I teach skateboard lessons on the side. And um, it's, it's just getting super, super popular. And um, I just, you know, there are little things that the park needs for sure. Just, you know, you know cracks fixed. We got a light out. You know, little things, but definitely, uh, you know, some funding for the park, you know, some expansions in the future, like Sam was saying, could greatly benefit the community. And like I said, um, it's getting super, super popular. And during quarantine, um, our sales boosted dramatically. And I know a lot of businesses were kind of hurting in that time. So it's kind of crazy that skating skateboarding has almost picked up since then. It's a really good social distancing sport, um, even though that's slowly becoming a thing of the past now. Um, but yeah, just um, we're just asking for help, and um, you know, I think Sam put it really well, and so did Nick. So, thank you, guys. Chris Flowers.
3: Hi,
17: um, this is Chris
7: Flowers, and I had to step away for a little bit, but I just. I, When I came back, I heard the skaters um, speaking for the skate park and I just want to agree with them and I was just wondering what benefit would it have for like getting students that come to KU if we did have a a better skate park, you know, Beside, I mean I think it would help tourism, but I, I think it could help um, KU and Haskell perhaps get a few maybe more students interested in moving to here to go to KU or Haskell. So I, I just want to say I, I support um, this doing doing better for the skate park. Thank you.
18: JP Redmond. Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, cool. Um yeah, I just want to say that I'm actually. Um, uh, um, I came here to Lawrence 20 years, 21 years ago to go to KU because of this skate park, and um, the uh, the older's the like Josh mentioned, or maybe Sam, or um, the the original skate park here was big. Um, we were, we were left with maybe like two thirds of a park right now and which is kind of crazy considering the um how how huge skateboarding has become and um and but you know th- um, um all this also is not to say that we don't appreciate the help from parks and rec um they are they've been a, a lot of help to to work with and um we're actually like we're really trying to to finish the park but it will take over a hundred thousand dollars and that's why we're we're all here today to try to get into the cip um but yeah it you know there are people on scooters there are inline skaters there are roller skaters there are bikers um you name it it's it's just uh, a really it is lawrence's uh premier skate park and it always has been. And it's just, you know, we just um, need that um, boost. I I don't know if you are able, doesn't look like you're able to see uh, my video right now, but am I able to share my screen at all? Can I try doing that? Just real quick, I have a short video to show you. Go ahead says host disabled participant screen sharing
0: oops women <laughs> try again
18: okay can you see my screen yes okay um so yeah this is just um, um an example of like um what what the unfinished surface of our park uh looks like in the cracks and this is this is our, our friend, uh, Tracy Landis, and um, she actually uh, broke her hip just rolling over this crack right there. And that's just kind of a pretty, pretty big example of uh, – so that, that covers like a third of the skate park, and we're just left with that. And we, we really need to try to figure out a, a way – to finish that and while doing so we also have to figure out what uh, what obstacles can um intermingle with what is currently there and it's and it's not it's 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 not an easy job but parks and rec is helping with us helping with that and I'm kind of just repeating myself now sorry a little nervous but but yeah I just just wanted to um get share that with you and give give my piece on the subject and thank you all so much for your time
3: Roger Matthews
19: good evening you might hear my son uh we just got out of the bath it's bath time um but I just I'm also a Lawrence resident I've lived here since I was eight years old I was an army brat this is home for me. I've lived a lot of places, but this is the first place that I've ever lived. And I was like, I I don't want to go anywhere else. And this is also the place where I discovered skateboarding. Um, just like JP, Nick, Josh, uh, everybody was saying this is skateboarding is one of the most like one of the skateboarding community, the inlines community, the bike community, the roller skating community, they use the park facilities that we have on offer. We use it a lot. And when you go to the skate park at Centennial, the ground is rough. Like they mentioned, it's dangerous. I rolled my ankle pretty badly there and just like didn't try anything, wasn't trying to hurt myself, wasn't trying to push myself. I literally like stepped on, the board didn't move because there was too many cracks in the ground. And I rolled my ankle and I'm still recovering. It's been two months now. So I think just repairs to the park are definitely in order. Like they've mentioned, the the parks department has been great. They're very in tune with what we, they're very in tune and responsive to what our needs are. But there are times where definitely with a a number of people and different types of activities that are now being done at the park, more people are inline skating, more people are roller roller skating, more people are skateboarding. Um, So with all of those things, with the fact that the park doesn't use all of its space and because of the like need for renovation, it actually causes sort of a bottleneck issue. So people can't use that park. And I think one of the main uh, attractions of the park for the city council's point of view is it keeps skateboarders from going to places that they shouldn't like private property or anything like that. Well, if you can't really go to the skate park and trust that you're not gonna just get hurt just rolling around, you're not gonna want to go to that skate park anymore. So I like I personally I don't go to it anymore. I go to the Edge one. It lives it, I live closer to it, but I just wanted to put that out there as just something in terms of like safety and, you know, driving. The, the. If you want to have something that is going to get used, the skate parks are one of those things that's going to get used, but it's going to be diminished if you don't have it have all of the safety and features that it needs. Thank you for your time. Billy Barnes. Hi, everyone.
20: Um, sorry, I'm doing this from the car, but um, just wanted to thank all of the, uh, the commissioners for um, their com- commitment to the community, as well as the mayor, um, all the support staff. Thank you guys for what you do. Uh, my name is Billy Barnes. I grew up in Lawrence, Kansas, um, started skateboarding at the age of eight. Moved away. Now I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area. I work for the San Francisco 49ers. um, And it's been a a lifelong uh, journey of, of skateboarding and learning that um, this is a project you look at Daniel park. It is so close to being an amazing park, um, but it just needs a little extra push to get over across the finish line and become an infrastructure um, uh, asset that will last for another 20 years. We just need a little bit more love. Um, I think if you guys would, you know, just considered looking at the skate park, just how you would the public pools, um, the rec center, um, bicycle infrastructure, it is on par. The same is used by old, young, um, all demographics. Um, it's really hard to quantify what the value of skateboarding is and a good park is to the community, I feel like. Um, but I think if, if if you talk to the skateboarders, like the, the ones that have joined today, sharing their stories, um, there's just countless countless um uh life lessons that you can learn while skateboarding and while um you know being with your your friends and and things you learn um um just just being together there it's a very very inclusive space um and it it, it kind of invokes creativity in, in all of us skateboarders um which we all uh support each other whether you know uh race color creed all of that if you're a skateboarder you're good to go at Centennial Park and that's it's always been like that ever since I was a little kid. Um, so I would just say, um, yeah, just from my experience, um, all the friends that I knew growing up, it kept us off the street. It kept, off, kept us from doing bad things and, and just kept us on the straight and narrow just because we had a place to go and, and we really enjoyed um, what we have. Um, but yeah, as I go back to Lawrence now, I just, I just see the cracks. I see um, the, the, the love that the skate park needs. Um, so I'm just asking all of you guys to, as you look to, to add things into the CIP to please, please consider, um, this for funding and the Lawrence Skateboard Association has been around for a long time and it will be with you every single step of the way as, as you know, um, planning is, is, is developed and just wanted to say thank you for all of your time and, and really appreciate this opportunity.
3: This is Sharon City Clerk. Is there any other public comment on this item? That's all the public comment, Mayor.
1: Mayor Finkel, um Thank you for that public comment. We're going to go ahead and take a 10 minute break. After the break, we'll come back and um, have commission comments and questions and, and move from there. So we'll return at 8 10. Mayor Fingledeye, we're back from our break. I'll go ahead and take roll call. Vice Mayor Shipley? Here. Commissioner? Here. Commissioner Lawson?
2: Here.
1: Commissioner Bully, Here. I'm present as well. We finished public comment and we'll bring it back to the Commission for questions, comments. I know we have a couple questions staff particularly wanted us to talk about, but um, maybe we open it for questions first and then go from there. Maybe I'll start off a um, couple questions, and I'm not sure if we ha- who we have um, on from each of the departments, but I had a question about the DeVicto Park um, trail, or the the trail and the, the $100,000 on that trail, just a little bit more about, I mean, I've run that trail a couple times, and I know there's an unpaved part, is that? When I looked at the project detail, I didn't quite tell what we're working on. And then it said a connection to a neighborhood, Now I, I didn't quite understand where that was.
21: Uh, Mark Hecker, Assistant Director of Parks and Rec. Yeah, one of the portions is that unpaved part that's ag right now. The other one is a spur that goes off the northeast corner that it follows the gas pipeline easement which would allow us to access a, a different neighborhood to get that connection to the park.
1: Mayor Finkeldeye, so that connection, is that there now and unpaved or not there at all? I'm just trying to picture that. I don't picture that in my head.
21: Mark Ecker, assistant director. It's currently mowed, so there is no trail there now.
1: Mayor I thank you. Um, I know one of the items that moved to the unfunded was um, in the five-year plan was the gymnastics um, expansion. Is that, when we moved it to unfunded, does that drop off the list completely, or is it um, still something we'll continue next year again to look at the reschool? I do think at some point um, that's going to be a need. But I was just curious on that, where that falls now.
9: Jeremy Willman, finance director. Um, one of the things that we're considering with the CIP committee is okay. It's unfunded. Now what, um, does that make it the prime candidate for the first open slot in 2023, or does it shuffle back into the deck to be rescored? Um, so I don't have an answer to you tonight on that. What I will say is it doesn't just go away. The project, you know, doesn't disappear. So, um, most likely what will occur is it will be resubmitted in the 2023 process and scored at that time
1: mayor finkel that was kind of my assumption i assume Malk on box and rack it's still something at least on the on the list of something to consider
21: yeah mark hecker assistant director on some of those projects that were on the list before frankly what's happening is there's projects that are scoring higher than them so they're bumping down the list they are kind of just above the cut line before. Now they're falling below the cut line. So, yeah, we, we'll probably just continue to bring those back or look at them and, and see why they're meeting not meeting the scoring criteria.
1: Mayor Finkel, since you're on the screen, I'll keep asking you a couple of questions, Mark. Um, can you talk a little bit about the Centennial Park? Obviously, it sounds like you guys have been working um, with some of the users of that park. But there was um, some mention of the uh, you know deterioration of the park. Can you talk at all about um, your thought process process on that and where it's funded?
21: Yeah, Mark Ecker, Assistant Director. Uh, yes, what, what we're doing now is we work with the group, and we're doing a $40,000 improvement this year. So that'll do a little piece of the park. To, to finish it out, you're probably looking at close to $150,000. So we proposed that project, I think it's in 2025, and showing it's unfunded. Again, it didn't quite hit the scoring criteria on some of the, the areas that we score. So it's falling off of the funded list um, needs to be done. There's definitely a need for that facility to, to be improved. It's highly used and that, that's what's great about it is there's a big user group and they're all pretty uh, active in coming and talking to us about what they want to do.
1: Mayor finkel is the – can you talk a little bit more about the, the, the project we're doing this year? said so that's part of the park. Is that going to address any of the issues with, I guess, you know, with some of the deterioration or is it an addition of something new?
21: Yeah, Mark Hecker, system director. Yes, it'll address a small chunk of the park. So if, if you look at the current aerial view of the park, there's about two thirds of it that was redone a few years ago. So it left a third undone, so it's the old court surface that was the original skate park. So what this will do is fill in a, basically, a a pie piece, and then there's another section to the south that would need to be done with with
1: more dollars. Mayor Finkeldeye. thank you on that. Um, There's a question for someone probably with MSO related to Two questions, one related to the green pavement markings, and one related to the Atchison Creek Trail. Um, Can someone talk about, I know we did do a green pavement marking at some point and there's some projects left, and what's the thought process on that one, if anyone can speak on that? Uh,
22: This is Melinda Harger, Assistant Director of MSO. Uh, speaking to the Green Pavement Project, that's a 2021 CIP-funded project. If you're referring to the one that's, um, you know, currently in the CIP, it's a little over 300000 We have not started work on that project yet, but it is slated to begin later this year. Um, that project was scored and prioritized outside of our non-motorized um, policy. It didn't go through that review and prioritization. So this year with the resident requested projects, um, we, we saw a a need to update how we were doing our CIP prioritization and making sure that those non-motorized bike ped projects are going through that policy and going to multimodal. So that's why those were pulled out and unfunded at this time. So they get prioritized through that policy.
1: Thank you. And on the atchison creek trail um i know there is a Westall project going on has anyone had any discussions with the everg or ku on doing anything with that that trail to anyone's knowledge
22: melinda harger mso assistant director i will check with staff and get an answer back to you on that i have not heard of anything but that doesn't mean those conversations aren't happening we do have a monthly meeting with the utility companies so it's it's possible they've started those discussions
1: Mayor Fingledye, thank you again I think those are all my questions for the moment other questions or comments from commissioners
12: Vice Mayor Shipley, um, um, I'll do some of the easy ones here. Maybe first um, the Harvard and Walker six. Sorry, Harvard to sixth and Walkerusa item, which is uh, moved down and is unfunded. I was a little surprised to see that because I've. Feel like you just did that a couple of years ago from 6th Street to Harvard. Um, does anybody recall that?
22: Melinda Harger, MSO Assistant Director. Um, we did, we added that to our street maintenance a couple of years ago. Um, I believe it was 2019. And um, that was to provide a millen overlay in order to expand um, its its lifespan a little bit. But it had been in the five year uh, for reconstruction. So when we rescored this project, um, it scored lower as far as reconstruction because it received that millen overlay. So that's why it did score lower. Great,
12: um, Vice Mayor Shipley. Um, I'll do this first. So um, I, I really love that um, in all of these, um, staff has given us a pie chart that shows the CIP or the VERP summary by outcome. Um, but I also want to say it seems like staff might sell itself short sometimes. It seems like there are some projects here that I would put in, a, in more than one category and I, I would have... You know expected to see a bigger piece of the pie so this might be more of a statement craig um city manager for you um just to encourage staff to realize their value when they look at these um outcome areas um because some of these let for example i would have expected to see a lot more strong and welcoming neighborhoods um while perhaps Um, stormwater projects aren't sexy to a lot of people. Anytime my house isn't underwater, I know that I'm living in a safe and welcoming neighborhood. So just, just my way again of supporting the strategic plan and your work with staff to encourage them to, um, lean into it and also accept how valuable their work is. Um, I just thought I would sort of say that in general about all of those pie charts, which are very interesting and helpful. I don't
23: know. Craig, do you have anything you want to say? Uh, City Manager Craig Owens. Uh, Thank you. Uh, We appreciate it. It is important. Um, We are just trying out this tool. We're constantly trying to reuse and highlight that. So we'll continue to work on that um categorization of some things that stretch across many different uh, outcomes it has been part of the challenge so that's imprecise but we we try to be thoughtful about how do we how do we categorize it sometimes it can't fit more than one place
12: thank you vice mayor shipley okay now this is probably a rougher one and i think this is i mean i i was there when this happened it might be a good question for um Diane or, um, Brandon, but, um, sometimes when I see things categorized that are using, um, the infrastructure sales tax, um, it, uh, seems creative. So could you remind, uh, everyone, uh, what, what we can use the infrastructure sales tax for? Um, I don't know that it requires going all the way back to the ballot, um, Herbage, but um, just a reminder for for the taxpayers and the voters out there what we use that money for
20: this is Diane Stoddard assistant city manager there may be somebody that that uh, can better articulate that in in recall of the of the uses allowed than I can at this point perhaps um, I don't know Jeremy or Danielle if you might be able to help with
24: that
9: thank you. Jeremy Wilmot, finance director. i sorry, I didn't want to interrupt when she had uh, asked you. Um, for the infrastructure sales tax, the uh, ballot language probably is the best place to go because it is uh, rather precise. The purposes are for constructing, improving, maintaining public streets, sidewalks, stormwater facilities, recreational trails, bikeways, and paths, including residential traffic calming devices, residential curb and gutter replacement, improvements of crosswalks and accessible ramps reconstruction of roads and intersections and the purchasing of fire apparatus and related fire equipment including radios and personal protective equipment and then the overall caveat is anything that would be considered to be deemed in the best interest of the city
1: Mayor Payne, are other questions or comments? I, I came up with one other question. Well, um, you know, I was looking at the, the maintenance, you know, maintenance versus CIP, and maybe back just use the skate park because we heard about that um, tonight. Um, what makes, for example, $100,000 on the skate park? A CIP item versus something like outdoor court repair that we put in the maintenance over, maintenance fund. I mean, is there something? Is there a, a delineation there that I assume it's not bright line test? But what what what's kind of the delineation there?
9: Jeremy Wilman, finance director. It it really is the funding. Um, when a CIP project by itself exceeds hundred thousand dollars, it's outlined in the CIP. In the maintenance plan, what you're looking at is the accumulation of dollars. Uh, in other words, like a parking lot improvement, um, that, that $200,000 is gonna go in multiple parking lots. So if you just did one parking lot, it may be 10 or $15,000, but it's the accumulation of all of them that puts it into the maintenance plan. Uh, you'll recall uh, several years ago, there was no maintenance plan, it was all CIP. And this was really um, staffs desire if you will to really focus the cip on those projects that the public is concerned about and those annual programs uh, for maintenance those routine objects not getting rid of them of course but simply setting them aside in a secondary category so that we can spend more time on the projects and those things that uh, the public have deemed important uh, on a one-time basis rather than what we would consider to be ongoing so the improvements to the skate park would be a project in excess of hundred thousand dollars. And that's why it's on the CIP. Um, were the parks department to put annual maintenance to the skate park in their operating budget and that annual maintenance was over $20,000 a year, it would be on the maintenance plan.
1: Um, Mayor that so I'm looking on page 71 of the presentation so again, just trying to get a feel for this, like it talks about playground replacement, Lions and Stonegate, 175. So I guess if I divide that by two, that's two maintenance projects that aren't over 100,000. So that's why it, lays, it lands on the maintenance as opposed to the CIP.
9: Jeremy Willman, Finance Director, that's correct. We're, we're really trying to keep the uh, projects on the CIP at a, at a project level, a specific item or group of items that are being repaired at the same time. And those things that we fund every year uh, with relative consistency are now on the maintenance plan so that you can see that over time, we've invested X number of dollars in, the, in this maintenance object. Um, it is uh, art more than science. So there's probably something <laughs> that could go either way. Um, again, we're, we're trying to be transparent, but we felt like a CIP with 300 projects on it really wasn't effective or helpful for anyone. And so, uh, as we talked with staff, we really wanted to see um, what is what's what's the heartbeat of the CIP. What are we trying to convey? What are we trying to help the public to understand? And so, that's really where the the verb and the maintenance plan were born out of was a desire to uh, not just remove them so they're no longer discussed, but put them in their own category and, and understand that these are dollars that are contributed in an ongoing basis. And the CIP would be considered special funding or funding of a specialized nature. And, and as I mentioned, it's it's art, not science. So there probably are things that could go in in either of those plans. Um, and we're happy to move, move them around as the, as the city commission directs.
1: Mayor Finkel, I know I'm not, I appreciate that answer. I'm not suggesting that I appreciate the three um, the three funds and, and how we've moved in that direction. So I'm just trying to, I'm still new to this. So I'm just trying to make sure I understand it as we move forward. Commissioner Bowley looks like you had a question possibly.
11: Yeah, I would just like to ask, you know, briefly about the uh, decisions on relative funding among the various groups, the capital improvement plan, the uh, VERP, and the maintenance. How, how did you come up with the levels of spending for each of those plans?
9: Jeremy Wilmot, finance director. Um, Candidly, we haven't really um, spent a lot of time focusing on those three levels. Uh, We're we're relying essentially on the historical levels of spending that we've had. As we continue to refine the CIP, the VERP and the maintenance plan through the lens of the strategic plan, I think that's when you'll really start to see some targeted focus to ensure that um, we're effectively maintaining items, uh, maintaining equipment, and then tackling those special projects as they come along to achieve the outcomes identified in the strategic plan.
11: What period of time do you think we'll be um, engaged in that effort from going from historical to uh, you know, more of a, uh,
9: I don't know, a, the different approach you described? Jeremy Wilmoth finance director. Um, we, we started that effort this year Um, it's a Herculean task. And so I would say uh, without putting myself in a box over the next two to three budget cycles, we really should see the complete transformation of uh, historical budgeting practices into strategic uh, programized uh, focused budgeting strategies.
10: Commissioner Larson, I'm thinking along the line of street maintenance um, program, the maintenance i see you got 10 million dollars or 10.4 million dollars and i'm sure there's other areas where there's monies how does that amount um, relate to our ability to to start to get on top of our maintenance needs our historical maintenance needs
9: jeremy wilmeth finance director i i think i'll defer that to the mso as i know they're uh, in that process of scoring the assets uh, the road assets
24: Um, This is Dave Wagner, director for municipal services and operations. And Mike and Melinda may have some, some adders on there. We were trying to figure out who's going to, going to field that, but, uh, you know, I think we've got a long way to go yet on really getting a good asset assessment of where we're at on roads. It's kind of been our first go at uh, a truly a data driven asset um, management plan. And so, um, I I think that map forward, I think we're headed in the right direction. We still have a ways to go um, on roads to define where we're at. Um, It is probably further along than any of the other assets we have. Um, And I don't know if Mike has more to add to that about where we're at or or Melinda might on the actual plan. You know, I think kind of as Jeremy mentioned, I think as we're moving forward through that, every year will be better than the next as far as where we at are at in accuracy of what the need is and what the strategy ought to be with how to get the best uh, outcomes for the least amount of money which would include you know it's moving us towards that overall goal of the, the lowest cost of ownership. Um, so I don't know if Mike if you've got some uh, added to that that's um, uh, more specific,
13: Mike Lawless, Deputy Director for MSO. Um, we had done a, a our predictor model um, similar to what we did with the, the water main model last year. And we plugged in our proposed funding um, and it came out that to maintain our uh, PCI, um, we, we need about 10 and a half to ten point nine million dollars a year um, to maintain that PCI, um, kind of in the area that that we want to get to. Um, so we haven't we haven't had a chance to go back and rerun the model with the lower funding um, to show what that you know kind of what the differences are, what it does to the PCI over time. Um, that's something that we'll need to to plug in and and show what happens. The the issue, not the issue, but the, the hard part about the model is just doing one year, you kind of have to project that out for multiple years to see anything change because just one year of funding by itself doesn't, doesn't shift the PCI greatly in one direction or the other. It's that sustained long-term, either funding or not funding um, and so what we'll just need to do is go back and plug that in um, and look at, let's say, that that five point four million dollars that that was in the CIP and then do that over a number of years. And then we can get a better idea of what does that do to the PCI over time?
10: Uh, Commissioner Larson, thank you. So you said that you felt 10.4, 10.5 to ten point nine million a years. Is necessary in order to to have a foothold a good foothold on our maintenance street maintenance program is that correct correct so i'm seeing this year we've got 10.4 um, in our in our cip and going forward for the next five years we've got a total of uh or four yeah five years we got a total of 56 million dollars so do you believe that based on what you said that the 10.5 million dollars a year is adequate funding in order to get start to get on top of this maintenance program
13: um yes that's that's the maintenance program we'll still have um and and i'm not right off the top of my head i can't remember if that includes um reconstruction dollars or if it's just maintenance dollars and so i I need to go back and verify that um through the model
10: thank you commissioner larson thank you
9: Jeremy well finance director sorry if i could just add um that includes a thirty million dollars unfunded component. So, the looking at the CIP by project um, is helpful for context, but I think looking at it by funding sources is also helpful. And um, thirty million of that uh, of the street maintenance is unfunded currently. The commissioner Bully. So, the funding that's
11: um, being recommended for the street maintenance plan. Is essentially based on historic spending rather than uh, the strategic plan per se.
9: Finance Director Jeremy that that's correct. Um, as a, as I mentioned, we're we're working our way toward um, con- um, converting the budget, if you will, to being programmatic and uh, focused on delivering the strategic plan. Um, And I think we're making great strides that way, Um, but that's a a very big lift for one year, so um, especially in a a year coming out of a a pandemic where revenues are still um, relatively flat. This
6: is Commissioner Ananda. I want to start by thanking all the skaters uh, who came here tonight as the parent of an 11-year-old who really love skating and a um, seven-year-old in my house who is starting skating lessons this summer, um, safety is really important um, in those spaces. And I just I just really appreciate um, that there are folks who are organized and working with Parks and Rec um, to make that as safe as possible and acknowledging you know, the budget piece. I'm glad that there are some dollars going toward that because I think it's really important. So thank you all for taking the time to do that. I wanted to... Um, I think kind of jump into what Commissioner Larson was saying um, around not necessarily the specifics of what we are spending, but what is an appropriate dispensation of our funding as far as maintenance and um, you know new projects when it comes to our roads and you know what is what is best practice around that. Presumably, if we are being effective most of that money would be in maintenance um, with few projects that are new unless we're growing, um, which of course we always are. So I'm just curious if there's any kind of big picture, best practice information out there for what we should be looking toward um, and moving toward.
9: Jeremy Willman, finance director. I don't, I don't believe that we have any set percentages um, that, that we can share tonight, but that is one of the things that uh, we're looking into is uh, what does the right size look like? Um, what I can share with you is that of the money that's programmed currently, 50, almost 55% is in the CIP, uh, a little under 36% is in uh, the maintenance plan and nine and a half percent is in the verb.
6: Ms. Commissioner Ananda, thank you. And I'm sure that that's gonna be a learning curve for us. And obviously it depends so heavily on on the city that you're in and what kind of community you have. Um, So I appreciate that. The only other question I had was just, you know, I know last year we were developing this matrix. So we spent a lot of time talking about it. Um, So it's very delightful (laughs) to have seen that implemented and not be the focus of this conversation. But you know, you've mentioned that it's gonna take time. It's gonna take time to get good at this and to practice this. And so I wanted to ask generally and maybe it's not a question to answer tonight necessarily. But, you know, what, what are some thoughts about moving forward with this matrix? Do we feel like it's effective? Do we feel like staff-wise it reflects, you know, our strategic plan and moving forward?
9: Jeremy Wilmouth, finance director. I'll, uh, I'll start that, but I welcome uh, anyone else on the uh, team who'd like to, to chime in as well. Um, the way the... Uh, The process went this year was that the requesting department scored the project uh, in light of the strategic plan, and then it was peer reviewed by other uh, stakeholders within the organization, Uh, you know, sometimes from the same department, sometimes not. But there were teams set up uh, that essentially looked at just one or two of the criteria and uh, ensured that there was no bias or or there was no uh, misunderstanding with the criteria and the score that was given. Um, by the uh, rating department. And so I believe that process is is solid and um, can it be refined? Sure, anything can be refined. Um, Probably where we will wanna start focusing more time is on the weighting of those projects and ensuring that the weighting uh, that is used is in alignment with the strategic plan. I would say that would probably be the most impactful way to ensure that the scores uh, stay true to the strategic plan.
6: This is Commissioner Ananda. I guess a follow up to that would be then, do we have plans for measuring outcomes on that and and how that is aligning with the strategic plan?
9: Jeremy, well, and finance director, I'd say that the measurement will be on the KPI side Um, and how these projects help to move the KPI needles, the key performance indicators. Sorry, I know everybody doesn't like acronyms and I usually make fun of other people who use them, so that's my fault. But the key performance indicators uh, per um, measurement that we've outlined in the strategic plan, um, that's that's essentially where the rubber is gonna meet the road, no pun intended or or maybe intended, I don't know. It depends on which project we're talking about. So that's really where we look to see the performance and make sure that, as uh, Dave Wagner mentioned earlier, that lowest cost of ownership is one of the key critical success factors, one of the key performance indicators. Um, And so we should see that drive down cost over time
6: to thank you. I think that y'all are getting me real excited about seeing the report on those KPIs and and how we engage fully in this strategic planning, priority budgeting process. I mean, um, it's kind of magic if it works. And it's really exciting. So thanks for your work on that.
1: Mayor, I think as a follow-up question, maybe lead us to a couple of questions you presented. How about a a, a citizen initiated um, CIP project, do they wait it themselves and then someone look at it, or does it come in and waited by who?
9: Jeremy Wilmoth, finance director. Um, we, we left it open to the uh, applicant if they wanted to try and um, determine what the cost of the project may be, if they wanted to score the project, but ultimately, staff. Uh, took the information that was presented in the project and developed the assessment that you see tonight, um,
1: Mayor Finger. I guess I was curious: does do you hand one project to Parks and Rec and one to MSO and let them score it, and then does it get checked again by that other committee, or does it go just to the other committee first to score? How does that work,
9: Jeremy Wilmouth, Finance Director? Yes, we uh, look at the intent of the project that was uh, submitted by the citizen and uh, give it to the department that would most closely be represented uh, in the work that they're asking to be done. So road projects would go to the MSO, park projects would go to the parks department, et cetera. Uh, They then score them along with their other projects, and then they're all peer-reviewed.
1: Thank you on that. So one of the questions you asked on page 56 of the report was a possibility of maybe having an advisory board look at some of those I mean, based upon that question, are you, I guess I read into that question and maybe you're not completely happy with the way the process is working or is that just an open-ended question on how we should handle that?
9: Jeremy Wilmot, finance director. Um, I believe from a staff perspective, we feel that uh, some of these projects, uh, I think the algae project would probably be a good example of one. citizens are concerned about it which is great and we have a staff project as well um so instead of creating two competing projects if it went through some kind of process where they you know could learn about what we already have in the in the works um we may be able to come up with a better model moving forward um you know we we have a process already in place that uh melinda mentioned um where the uh non-motorized transportation projects are are vetted through a process and so uh the the question i guess is is that a more appropriate place for all non-motorized projects to start or uh, should it be up to essentially the citizen to either go that route or just bring a direct project to you through the cip process and um i guess our concern is that when we bypass those processes or when we will look at projects um, outside the um, context of the budget, then we're really providing a different level of uh, recommendation. And um, it seems that in, in all fairness the projects that are going through those processes, that making sure that all the projects of like kind go through those similar processes would be best for everyone because then uh, we're now starting to com- you know compare those projects with other peer projects, score them and weight them in light of the uh, the other projects, um, so that we don't run into an issue where um, you know a, a project that may have um, a niche group of support, if you will, gets funded through the CIP process, and then projects that that had gone through this um, Committee process are unfunded because those dollars had already been, uh, you know, resourced to a different project. Um, we believe that all these projects that have a similar thread should go through a similar process. Therefore, they're being they're being weighed against each
23: other. Craig, I don't I don't know if you want to add to that. City Manager Craig Owens. Um, it, we just want we just want good integrity of the process so that we have the consistency of all the projects rating kind of the same way. At the same time, it's a wonderful um, feature that we hear directly from community members because we don't always catch everything. Um, hopefully, they come in at an early early enough stage and we get it in the system and then it can be something that's undertaken. So it was just another idea to see if if there was some idea on from the Commission standpoint if there's any value in having um, some process modification just related to the directly brought forward uh, projects uh, but you know I certainly also want to um, elevate uh, mr. almond's uh, comment that it's not a perfect system these scoring rubrics and these systems they try and, and put a a uh, a certain science to this but sometimes it it just is a it's a a political judgment and that's appropriate so we certainly respect that and there's there's some percentage that um will that's the the catch-all to help us make sure it's the right thing for the community so i i think this was on put on here just to um recognize this is a new a new process and if you uh see like we do that there could be some improvements we'd love your feedback but if if you think the way that we're handling these uh should run its course a couple more years and and that's great too
1: mayor finkel I, th- I think that's helpful and i'm certainly interested in other commissioners thought that you know i do think as i was thinking about that question you know we did send out a you know whatever an email blast or you know a public a press release that said, hey, anyone who has, a, you know, a CIP project, please bring it forward to us, which, um, you know, I understand. And, and I guess, you know, Craig, as you said, it kind of makes sense. But I also wonder if, like you said, there wouldn't be a better point in the process where we send out a press release right before modal, multimodals working on something. Hey, anyone who has a bike ped project, bring it to this committee or parks and rec board. If you have improvements you want to make to the park, to the park system, bring it to the parks board and do that in advance of sending something out that says, again, maybe not eliminating that aspect of it, but getting some of those projects um, talked about at at an advisory board level or at a staff level. So again, they can be weighed against others. I could see being a beneficial uh, process. And then when you get to the end and you ask for CIP projects, that haven't been through that process, as you say, it kind of, they're on an uphill battle at that point. And so it seems like the only we can get them in the process, the better.
23: City Manager Craig Owens, the other thing I'd say is we hope that um, we're adding things to year six, you know, we're adding things at the end so that there's the, you know, capital investment shouldn't be a surprise. Uh, they should very rarely be a surprise. And we have a five-year CIP so that we, you know, we have some time to plan and to prioritize. So ideally this isn't, oh no, you know, this is my only year and I want it done this year. These projects should be kind of deliberately uh, planned and coming towards us. And we make a few adjustments year to year. Uh, So it, when, when Community members are participating in this process, hopefully they're looking a little ways out too. doesn't always happen that way. But if we elevate something and it starts to come up a couple of years, that would be a signal for us to get it into the processes that exist now, so. I, I think it, as we exist right now, I think the, the process is fine and we count for it, we just need the public to help us um, look further down the horizon and understand that there's five years of, of projects.
1: Mayor Finkley, any other commissioners want to comment on that particular issue? Mayor Finkley, seems like we're heading in the right direction then. The, the other question on, just so we make sure we hit all the questions the staff put in there on page 56 of the presentation is, was if a project is identified as funded in a prior year, do you want future plans developed to assume funding as well? Jeremy, does that go back to what you were talking about before on where you put him back in the process?
13: Yes.
9: Sorry, Jeremy Willen, Finance Director.
1: Mayor Finkel, Other Commissioner's thoughts on that?
6: This is Commissioner Arnanda. I think that, like Jeremy said, those aren't going away. Um, Certainly the need is likely to not go away, so Maintaining that somehow and ensuring that we weigh it on an annual basis, uh, I think, is important, unless it becomes an obsolete project through through some other event or action.
1: I think I agree as well. I think as long as it's there and being being considered until it you know either becomes obsolete or otherwise, I think you can continue to weigh it. Um, Then on page 74 of the presentation, last page, or second last page, there's two questions. I just want to make sure we respect all the questions the staff has asked us. Are there any unfunded projects that should be moved up, or are there any projects that should be delayed and reprioritized?
10: Mr. Larson, I don't think that's a question. Either one of those, I can't answer right now until I've had a chance to really dive into, to the information.
1: Mayor Finkel, this would be a good time to ask or make sure we and the public knows. I mean, this is a presentation of the CIP. It will come back again a couple couple times as part of the larger budget. Is that correct?
9: Jeremy Wilmoth, Finance Director, uh, that is correct. It'll be um, presented on July 13th, not to this level. Um, We'll we'll focus on the operating budget more uh, at this level, but certainly if there's changes to that recommendation, those will be highlighted on the 13th. Um, And then it will be presented another time on um, either August 10th, or if we have that special called meeting to share the presentation with the uh, public hearing.
1: Mayor Finkel, I, again, I think as Commissioner Lawson said, there's time to look at these and come back and have some discussion. I guess I would just mention the the couple I already mentioned. Um, and I think Melinda is going to look a little bit into the Atchison Creek Trail and if there's any discussion with Westall KU okay, on that from the staff perspective. And um, I guess I am, you know, obviously we heard a lot about tonight the Maybe getting a little more information or thought on, on the skate park as relates to maintenance versus an improvement and, and where that might fall. Um, and if, if there's things we can do on a, maybe from a maintenance side, possibly before the, the CIP. And I guess as I was looking at, at these charts, um, you know, the, the, there's one of them in, I think, 2024 that's a dog park at Broken Arrow you know, developing something new there. And I guess, um, you know, I'd be interested in with the money we're putting into the other dog park, just kind of where that fits in the whole scheme of things. And maybe something like the skate park. I hadn't thought about that before tonight and how that weighs against each other. Um, I mean, obviously there are all things like this new splash parks, which I've been getting lots of comments about and people are happy about. And those are new, new facilities that we're putting in, um, so again, I'm not, I don't have an overall opinion here. I'm just thinking these are things to, to look at um, and kind of consider as we continue to massage this.
6: This is, go ahead commissioner or vice
12: mayor. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, thank you, um, Vice Mayor Shipley. Um, to that point, um, I wonder if some of those particularly parks and rec items stem from the parks and rec they have their own strategic plan. Um, If that has sort of um, evolved since, since, uh, since they completed it. And perhaps some things uh, need to be reprioritized. No, Mark's still here if he might say something.
21: Mark Hecker with Parks and Rec. I think there's always opportunities to kind of put skate park in, take dog park out, you know, that sort of thing is, is if priorities are set that way, that's the way we can go. A lot of what you're seeing is how it's scored out. So I think this review is good that if there's, there's a will to do a different project, take this one out, put that one in. I, I think we're always interested in, in hearing that conversation, so in our opinion, all of them need to be done. So.
6: This is Commissioner Ananda. I think that I have a broader kind of community organizing question. If let's say, you know, there's an employee of Rivera, if they commission a t-shirt to be made proceeds of which go to the fund to um, improve that park, is that something that the city would be willing to, if there are those kinds of specific projects that are independently funded and community organized, is that something that would move that forward or no?
25: Derek Rogers, Director of Parks and Recreation. And we've had a very, uh, very good collaborative uh, working relationship with the, uh, the Edgewood and the Do-It-Yourself Skate Park and the Centennial Group, the Lawrence Skate Association, LSA. And that's how a lot of this has gone in uh, shared costs and fundraising and volunteering work from those organizations. So having a working relationship where um, where the organization is involved financially uh, definitely uh, piques our interest in uh it helps
6: get priorities on some of these projects. Ms. thank you. I think the community organizer in me sees potential around some of those, particularly Parks and Rat projects about which people, very niche groups, feel very passionately about things that are very important to them. And, and that's just a nice opportunity too, I think.
12: Vice Mayor Shipley, um, Derek, perhaps you can remind us of the number of- partner organizations that Park and Sparks and Rec works with uh, from uh, donating trees to benches. to um, I can't remember what the number was, but I've, I've seen the list and certainly Parks and Rec um, has lent itself very well to working with partners in that way.
25: Absolutely. Derek Rogers, Parks and Rec Director. I, I did hear a, a number the other day, 650 nonprofits in the city of, of Lawrence in our community um we touched quite a few of them and you know when you start talking projects you start talking dog parks and community engagement Uh, i think there was a petition with over 1,200 to 1,300 names on that petition so um every organization is going to uh, work hard to help get their projects done and um there's going to be times we agree with our organizations and other times that we may not agree but uh, We'll always continue to work with them and look forward to those opportunities.
1: Mayor Finkeldai, I know there was one last question, um, and I'm not sure we have to answer tonight or not. Jeremy, you asked a question about whether or not we'd be willing to have a special meeting at the end of August. Is that
9: Jeremy Wilmoth, finance director. Yes, the the schedule that we had laid out um, for you, a revised budget schedule, was uh, essentially our first blush at the uh, Senate Bill 13 language that changed state law that mandated the hearing happen between uh, August 20th and September 20th, and in an effort to stay, you know, on your normal schedule, we had recommended uh, September 7th, but as we continue to uh, discuss that, it it seems like we may lose a lot of momentum um, with the public and with the budget process if we introduce a budget in July and don't have a hearing uh, or uh, you know that that uh, process until September. So um, the thought was because we cannot do it before August twentieth under state law, then we would have to have a special meeting. And so uh, it started to make sense uh, from a staff level to combine what's on this schedule as August 10th and September 7th into one uh, special called meeting on um,
17: August 24th.
1: Mayor Finkel, I noticed, yeah, that is a, a quirk in the schedule that August has five Tuesdays. Probably won't happen every year that we have this, that August 20th to September 20th falls in between quite a few of our meetings um so we would even if we had a special meeting on august 24th we'd have a week off on august 31st before coming back in september thoughts of commissioners about an august 24th meeting
11: it's commissioner bully i think there'd be plenty to talk about on the 24th just on that so i'm i think it'd be a great
10: idea commissioner larson we would still be able to do remote um i'm assuming at that point there's a good chance we'll be in person but we would still have the option of doing a remote because i'll be on vacation that time but i'm more than happy to to tune in um wherever need be and also it's my birthday so you know hey guys <laughs>
6: <laughs> this is commissioner another my partner will also be going at a retreat and i'll have my kids that week so i would need to be remote as well sure
11: Finkel, could make it easier for social distancing at, at City Hall. <laughs>
1: <laughs> maybe, Mayor Finkel, I'd say for now, let's, Craig. Can we continue to talk about that and kind of look at the schedule? And we have to make that decision tonight. Now that we have a little more information, um, and maybe talk about that and bring it back. Well, I guess we don't have a no. We have a meeting next week, right?
23: Yes, City Manager Craig Owens, um, we, we absolutely can, but we, we can't lose too much time because we've got to get all our notices published and and just understand where all those things are. This is a whole new process that uh, with the, the state legislature laid out for us. So we just want to make sure that there, there's no errors and, and we get plenty of margin on making sure this is all done right this first year out.
1: Mayor Finkel, I mean, I'm open to the 24th, um, and I can see some good reasons for that, but if we have two commissioners, I mean, we can also look at the 31st, at least gain a week there. How about the 31st? Would you guys – it's not your yeah. birthday on the 31st, of least. <laughs> <laughs> I still expect cake. <laughs> <laughs> at least – so, if we look at August 31st, that would uh, – Buy us at least a week, though. I think that'd be fine too. Yeah, that'd be great. Jeremy, do you think that helps accomplish some of that?
9: Jeremy Wilmot, finance director. Um, Certainly, we think that uh, anytime we can, um, you know, allow more time into the process will be good for uh, for public engagement as well. So. Um, if the 31st works, uh, for the commission, we'll make sure that we update our calendar and, uh, we'll get a little bit more information in the city manager's report with that updated calendar at your next meeting.
1: Mayor fickle I thank you on that. I think that sounds like it works best. Okay. Other comments on the CIP before we uh, look back at what our actual action item is here, um, is it just to receive it let's see just to review it yeah. review it so no necessarily action to be taken any final comments yeah commissioner Arson, i just like to thank staff for the information they presented to us
10: or gave to us the spreadsheets that we can work off this year which are just delightful um ability to sort and pick and choose what i need to look at i really appreciate that as as well as um um danielle had given me a table of contents to kind of work through some of the documents um i'm really looking forward to going through it all and we're just getting better every year i think thank you
11: Ms. commissioner Bullitt, i'd like to just second that right. thank you so much
1: i yes thank you Jamie danielle all this all the staff i know there's a lot more work to come on the budget and otherwise but certainly appreciate it And thank you for the folks who who came tonight and and know that the projects are we're going to continue to discuss them and continue to look at them and uh um please stay tuned okay that concludes our regular agenda it is we'll now move to commission items are there any commission items commissioner larson i
10: have an item um i think it was last week we had, or there was a project on the. I think it was the consent agenda about a cost overrun on a, on an engineering engineering project where the uh, engineer's estimate um, didn't uh, was lower than what was um, the bid came in at. And so we were—we approved that um, project to move forward. But when I started doing the research on it before the meeting, um, I tried to find it in our CIP and I couldn't find it in our CIP, our current CIP. So I asked staff about that and they had indicated that the um, project was an older project. It was in past CIPs, but I didn't realize that when we're still authorizing money um, for a project that that project wouldn't be in, in the current CIP. So I'm curious as to, um, well, I think there's a transparent, possible transparency issue there that we're, we, we're not seeing all the projects where money's being um, spent in a current year Um, but yet we can't see that on the CIP. So I was wondering if there's a way that we can uh, somehow get a list or or work with a list going forward as to what projects we're working on that are not in our current CIP, but yet we're spending money on those in the current years or what it looks like money to me.
9: Jeremy Wilmoth, finance director. Um, If I could harken back to your last comment, Commissioner Larson, where you said, we're getting better every year. I'd say that this falls under that context that um, our CIP, candidly, is a a very cumbersome document, as you all Mm -hmm. see. and um, making changes to it throughout the year is not something that we can do. The software doesn't have the ability to have a original and amended. It simply overwrites whatever is currently in there with a new one. Um, So we as staff don't feel like that's Uh, a good process uh, to follow what we have discussed with the CIP committee uh, is creating a memo um, that we would attach to the quarterly budget adjustment that would show any changes to the CIP that occurred uh, in the prior quarter. Um, We would then post that memo on the the CIP page so that uh, people could see the adopted CIP and then they could look at the changes that occurred over time. Um, with the specific project that you mentioned, I think the, the the challenge that we've had as staff historically has been bonded projects that um, you all, the city commission will will authorize a bond resolution that will authorize a project, bonds will be issued. Um, and then it essentially just goes into the ether. And so what we're trying to do is establish a way to, to ensure that that doesn't happen in the future. Um, unlike the cash funded projects where um, appropriations are required annually uh, of the bonded projects once they've been approved there there is no requirement that they be reauthorized every year so we believe that that memo uh as i outlined is is probably the most efficient way to address that at least until we get uh, a different software alternative okay thank you very much
6: is Commissioner Arnanda. Um, I wanted to kind of come back to our city gate and I'm sorry my internet connection is unstable. Sorry I'm freezing. I know my internet connection is unstable. I apologize. Um, I wanted to come back to the city gate report that we received um, and talk about the possibility The, the possibility, sorry, um, I'm learning that when you freeze, I need to stop talking. Um, the possibility of continuing our conversation about our role as a commission in in that, um, because not all of that falls under police, the 12 items that were brought last June. Um, and so some of those were like the decriminalization piece and the possibility of looking at decriminalization, decriminalization of um, some of the issues that we have in our, or some of the crimes that we have identified in our city code, um, looking at the eight can't wait factors and, um, the obligation that we have as we signed up for that and assessing, um, moving forward with that, as well as looking at the chapter. I believe it's 12 but don't quote me on that where we define law enforcement's role within the city that didn't necessarily fall under the gate or the purview of what city gate did but they are items that we had discussed um, as a priority for the commission or at least um, something to look into and i wondered if there was an opportunity i know that our um, anti-poverty work group is is um, looking at recommendations that we um, decriminalize poverty and I'm certain that they would have um, some thoughts on how we could go about that or what what kind of an impact we could have if we engage in some of that action. And so I'm wondering if uh, other commissioners would be interested in asking staff to bring us some thoughts on how we can move forward with that as a commission, um, as well as you know if there are some quick Things like, um, I believe Kansas City just decriminalized jaywalking, for example, um, some, some crimes that we have identified that historically may be targeting certain individuals, um, whether that's a result of poverty or race, etc. So I wanted to get other commissioners' thoughts on that.
1: Go ahead.
10: Yeah, this Commissioner Larson, I do think it um, the idea of, of taking off our books of um, fines and so forth, sm- um, crimes such as I don't know if that's a crime, but it uh, situations where you know people are given tickets for something like jaywalking. Uh, you know, I would be interested in looking at some of that. That type of um, work, uh, for sure. Um, How how far you take it up to the rung, as far as being criminal, that's something that would be um, kind of where where that line is drawn would be important to know. But I'd definitely be interested in looking at some of these low level situations to be be addressed.
12: Vice Mayor Shipley, Um, yeah. I'm not sure i think maybe you've uh, um commissioner Nande, maybe you've identified them as non-person crimes i think that's what you've called them in the past i had to get my um correct um and i'm also interested in um looking at the eight can't wait which i think some of those things were discussed uh, by city gate but it seems like there's at least one thing that i would consider low-hanging fruit um in that list, um, I would like to hear um, specifically what staff has to say about that.
1: This
6: is commissioner,
1: hey. oh, go ahead, mayor. Mayor Finkeldeye. yeah, I was going to say, I know it. You know, for a while, we, I think, uh, Brandon was, was bringing us a kind of a update, an update of of. of of the list of issues and where we're at on each one of those. Um, and I think a lot of those were addressed by, mm-hmm. by, by and going forward, but yeah, maybe getting an update on that and where we're at and on each of those items and make sure we're not letting anything slip through the cracks. You've mentioned a few of those that we could certainly talk about. So I'm certainly open to that.
6: This is commissioner. Ananda. Um, Craig, is that something that you feel staff could bring back to us?
23: Uh, city manager Craig Owens. Yeah, I, I I appreciate the comments here. I feel uh, the positive of uh, uh, thought about both of these two items. I I see them as two. Um, so maybe if you could, um, maybe if you could summarize what the takeaway is, um, and Sherry will be writing that down so um, we can be sure that we're meeting your expectations here. And then I will um, I'll try and work with some time frame estimates for us.
6: This is Commissioner Arnada. Thank you, Craig. Um, I think that specifically looking at the, obviously the 12 items, I think that the mayor's um, comment around Brandon's update on that, how we can address the ones that were addressed by city gate. I think that would be a reasonable thing to do. Um, looking at the decriminalization of poverty, um, anti-poverty work group and a conversation with them. How could we, um, look at what, what maybe their recommendations are, as well as some, some really low level, like commissioner Larson mentioned, um, items that, that could be quick. I understand that reviewing an entire code is not, um, A a fewer than 90 day process right so um, those two specifically and then I heard mentioned the can't wait I certainly think that checking how we are on that and whether or not there's something that could quickly um, be moved on that um, I didn't hear consensus around the chapter defining law enforcement and perhaps that's something that as we review our city code over time um, could be reassessed as well did that help or was that just more muddy water in a bucket of muddy water?
23: Well, I think a good city manager Craig on, a good check might be asked Sherry, what she would read back to us. <laughs>
3: um, so, um, there was, I had not heard in the previous conversation, either any consensus on the, um, looking at the chapter that s- defines policing, but to have, um, the anti-poverty group look at or provide recommendations of decriminal decriminalization of items in the city code, and also what items that could be addressed quickly, um, for lack of a better word. And then um, on the eight-camp wait, is there something that can be quickly addressed on that? And then an update on the items that were in that initial list that the city gate report has already addressed typing quickly did i get
23: <laughs> city manager craig owens on the the, the one that I, the a can't wait addressing that and reconciling the 12 the list of 12 items against what the city gate report had um, I would group those with the work that the police department is working on with the city gate, getting back, bringing stuff back to you. If that's okay, that's a 90 day work plan. I guess my,
1: my I guess my thought was maybe the, Maybe one way to look at this is to go back to the list of the 12 and, and sh- say to us, you know, this one is coming back to us within 90 days. You know, this one, no one's addressing, you know, that sort of thing. I guess I've kind of lost track of which ones okay. are all being worked on, you know, by and where they're at. I mean, again, I'm not sure all of those are addressed, but maybe that, you know, and maybe that'll give us a way at the next meeting to look at that list and then say to you, A, B, C, we want to do, and then the rest of them all in process one
23: place or the other. Okay. So we'll sort the 12 items. Are they going to be covered on city gate or are they not going to be covered on CityGate? And then the ones that are not covered on city gate, you'll give direction on what you want us to do next or what we want to do next.
6: This is commissioner ananda i think that there was a specific request at least from me regarding moving forward we know that the um decriminalization piece is not included in that And so I don't know that that necessarily needs to be on a report telling us that before um, kind of next steps are looked at. I I did hear in Sherry's statement that it would be the anti-poverty work group leading that. I don't know that necessarily that was the intent on my end, but certainly I think that they are stakeholders in that conversation. Um, And I would I would prefer to have staff um, be the drivers of of how that moves and where it moves so um on that one specifically bringing back um thoughts on how to move forward with that on that specific piece involving those stakeholders
23: okay city manager craig owens uh yes and and i appreciated our earlier conversation on that um commissioner nanda so what i understand is there may be some that are kind of um, easy to find and quick, quick to address. And that's what you're trying to do without going through the entire code to identify things. But that might be something that's a future plan that takes longer. So we have to figure out how do we triage it and know what do you mean by these easy ones to do or these ones that seem obvious to you all. So that will be we, we can look at the offenses. Uh, we have looked at the offenses, um, and it's a long, long list. And we also evaluated whether we've used these or not. Um, I think there's some data there that we could look at, and we can offer up something for you to, to look at. And then maybe you can give us some direction. You, the commission, can give us some direction off of that map, that that uh, list, that overall list um, that would help us know where to start working on revision of the ordinances.
6: Mr. you're very succinct. Thank
1: you. I love that. Okay. Okay. Hello, commission items.
12: Just one short one, uh, mayor, uh, commissioner Shipley. Um, I think some of us saw an email or on Facebook um, Tom Harper from Lawrence Modern um, had noticed our beautiful sculpture out front, the flame, and he just happened to be looking up and come to find out that the artist that created that sculpture had recently passed away. Her name was Lynn Emery. And um, I I do know some people back then that were involved in some of the fundraising for that uh, sculpture um, back in the 80s and uh, Great number of people um, uh, put forth their energy and time uh, to make that um, the beautiful thing that it is. I don't know if you all love it, but I think it's gorgeous, and I'm I'm really grateful that Lynn was able to build that sculpture for us. And I just thought I would I would point that out. We walk past it all the time. We admire it, and um, I just I just wanted to give a shout out.
1: Well, I think I thank you for that. The only other one I've mentioned is we had the electronic uh, recycling event, and I went through that, and it's kind of like the the, the vaccination—you get in line, and you think this is going to take forever, and then they were very efficient to get people through the line. And I know Jasmine was there; she she picked the TV up out of my car and, and and took it to the recycling. And I know there's many other um, folks. Volunteers and city and county staff working it. So anyway, appreciate the efforts on on that. Okay, if there's no other commission, sorry, the city manager.
23: City manager Craig Owens, uh, thank you, Mayor. Um, just a couple items on there: um, our usual uh, future agendas and uh, upcoming agenda items with ex parte communication uh, requirements. Um, and also, Fourth um, of July fireworks. So, we're happy to participate in that with uh, some other community partners. Um, I think um, that kind of uh, celebration is going to be very exciting to our community. So, we wanted to update you on that. That's all I have.
1: Mayor Finkel, yes, I think the fireworks are going to be a great opportunity, and I look forward to everyone working together on that um, I guess it is a public hearing item on the C manager's report if any member of the public would like to speak on one of those three items please raise your hand using the raise your hand feature or let Sherry know and she'll call upon you
3: there's no comment on this item
1: there thank you that takes us to the calendar any comments on the calendar
12: Um, Mayor, is the um, Kansas Municipality is going to be here uh, in a couple weekends, or have they moved that date? I keep reading that date in their magazine, and um, no one has mentioned it to me.
1: <laughs> um, Mayor Finkel, yes, the mayor's conference is going to be here um, next next weekend um uh, from the 18th into the 19th starts at noon on friday the 18th and goes till about 2:30 on saturday it's at the double tree and uh i guess i'll be kicking it off with a little welcome to all the mayors who are coming in um with the league of municipalities on that on that afternoon so it should be a a good conference i think okay nothing else on the calendar then I'd look for a motion to move to executive session
11: okay <laughs> mr. bullet
1: <laughs> but we're just gonna wait. wait for you. <laughs>
11: i move we recess in the executive session for approximately 30 minutes to discuss a personnel matter involving a city employee pursuant to the non-elected personnel matter exception ksa 75 4319 b1 the justification for <laughs> the justification of the executive session is to protect employee privacy the city commission will resume its and it's virtual format in accordance with resolution number. Is this should it be 7375? Uh, sorry, at the conclusion of the executive
10: session. Commissioner Archer, second now.
1: May I have a motion by Commissioner Bully, a second by Commissioner Lawson. Commissioner Bully. Aye. Commissioner Lawson. Aye. Vice Mayor Shipley, Aye. Commissioner Ananda. I Mayor Finkelie I passes five to zero. We'll return at um nine fifty seven. Mayor I, we are back from executive session and we have nothing to report. I look for a motion to adjourn.
6: Here, this is Commissioner Ananda. Do we need to do roll call?
1: Oh, I guess that's probably true. We'll do a roll call. Vice Mayor Shipley. Here. Commissioner Ananda. Here. Commissioner Lawson. Here. Commissioner Bolt. Aye. <laughs> Aye. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe I'll have a motion to adjourn. This is adjourned. <laughs> Move to adjourn.
6: Commissioner Ananda second.
1: With great vigour, we have a motion by Commissioner Bully and a second by Commissioner ananda Commissioner Bully? Aye. Commissioner Ananda? Aye. Vice Mayor Shipley? Aye. Commissioner Lawson? Aye. Mayor Finkel, Aye. Passes a five to zero. Thank you all. we we'll adjourned We'll see you next week.